Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Do you want to die, Sydney? It's your turn to scream, asshole. From the streets of Woodsboro. Back to the streets of Woodsboro. We are Halloweenies! Greetings and welcome to another episode of Halloweenies. We have got a special episode for you. It is our Tricks and Treats episode. That's right. You asked us questions, we came. See, that doesn't really... <laughs> it sounds too sexual if you don't know I'm talking about... I'm alluding to Hellraiser. Well, you should. you could have done the voice. Uh, it doesn't count. I already have a deep voice to begin with. People will be like, oh, is that, is that lead Cenobite from, from Hellraiser? No. <laughs> lead Cenobite. Hey, I'm very specific because that's what he went by in, in uh, the original true. Hellraiser. Listen, if you don't know this voice already, this must be the first time you're listening to Halloweenies. My name is Justin Gerber, the uh, questionnaire, the quiz master, as it were, if I was a killer in a movie. The quiz master. Hasn't been done yet, right? Well, maybe that'll be an answer. We can give later on as to whether or not Quizmaster has been used in a horror movie. Who knows what questions lay before us? Because what we did was open up to our patrons. That's right, at, at uh, patreon.com backslash Halloweenies pod. You were able to ask us questions that we would attempt to answer on this very episode. We're going to try to do this monthly. I think we, we keep saying we're going to do that, but I think we're going to try to at least do it if not monthly, bi-monthly. You know, if we don't have a super long episode, we like to have, at least have something for everybody once a week on the main feed or the Patreon page. So, we've got a lot of questions here. It, I, I'm assuming the two of you looked over these. There's a lot of good questions here. Yeah, yeah. And who was I have saying no you, idea what we're going to talk. No, I'm kidding. I looked over them. Oh, God. And, and <laughs> no, this would be a lot. No I crap. don't know. Give me a second. Uh, let's see. Who are we going to talk to first? Who's one of our guests here? Let's go to my brother. This is Wolfman Mac Gerber, ready to answer your questions about horror and and horror adjacent things. <laughs> we should call this tricks and treats and tangents. I don't know why we maybe it doesn't fit on the big poster that we tried Hall- to put out there. Halloweenies well. should have just been called tang- tangerweenies. <laughs> Tang tangerine dream. Jeez, <laughs> oh, it was a great idea, Mac, but it's uh, too yeah. late. The copyright's been laid. And speaking of. Getting laid. Let's hear it. Oh, yeah, man. come in. Let's go. Who Speak is it? Into my life all day. Oh, every boy. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> this is Dan Dracula Caffrey. The only thing mm. I'm laying in is a coffin because it's spooky season and we're about to dive into some juicy questions. Uh, I, I, do you guys do the whole uh, September 1st is spooky season? You start watching horror movies. I mean, well, we've I, I'm them all so year old now. I, I can't. Last year, because I was, I was doing work from home. It was pretty easy to watch a horror movie a day. You know, I could like have like a lunch break if I needed to watch a horror movie. 
I'm back in the office. I'm too tired. So I've, I've already started my spooky season. So whenever I'm yeah. not feeling like I'm going to pass out, if I sit still for two seconds, I've been firing up some movies. And we may I, discuss uh, a couple of those movies in this episode. So we'll see yeah. what happens, though. I work from home as well, but I uh, I, I don't know. I kind of like starting right, right in October. We, we kind of celebrate all year round. But you know what I'm saying? Like the, dire- the decorations go up in October. That's when I start getting concerned with, okay, I need to watch some flicks that I haven't before. So, um, but anyway, mm. I just want, yeah, I want to check. Yeah, it makes yeah, sense to me. I, I, started, I started early. I mean, I've been watching, like you guys said, pretty much all year round here and there. Surges <laughs> of horror, horror would come upon me. I actually decorated a little early here. You know, you got Shutter doing 61 Days of Halloween. You got, all, you got all these people starting early, taking over September. And September is a nothing month. Yeah, look, what about so, Labor Day, you know what? Though? Halloween's creeping in. We need to do honor hey, the workers, workers, not the killers. We're workers, and we're going to stay home and watch horror movies instead of go out and hang out with our friends and family. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's not actually a bad idea sometimes. What can I say? Well, let's get to it because we've got quite a few questions here, some terrific questions. If you did submit a question and we don't get to it, it's one of two reasons. And I promise you one of those reasons isn't anything personal. I promise. <laughs> one is we've likely already answered it in the previous episode at some point. So that could happen. Two, you know, we had so many questions, some might get cut for time. But maybe we'll hold those over for the next time we do this. You know what I mean? There's only so many great questions people can ask. We're not going to have like a whole round of 50 next time, I doubt. But you know what? I wouldn't put it past our loyal listeners who are uh, very creative and very, I would say demanding, but that's not very fair. They'd like to know some <laughs> answers to some questions. We got the spotlight on us, so what better way to begin than with... I'll, I'll kick it off here. Let's go. This is from Brock Bagnall. Now, the, uh, the spelling I have here is Brock with no C. And I'm not sure if that was an error in uh, Mike Rothman, who copied and pasted a lot of these into one form. If not, it's a great spelling. It's it's an original spelling. Dan, have you ever seen a spelling like like this before? I haven't. I just saw the card counter, which has uh, Kirk with a C, which I had never seen either. So maybe it's just that kind of weak, you know? Well, I think Schrader wanted to be consistent with card counter and Cs, probably. (laughs) That's Um, why he did it. Brock, let us know if if we got your name right in in the the comments. And if we didn't, once again... Anything, anything to get us distracted. Anything possible, including maybe misspelling somebody's name. Mac, are you familiar with the spelling of Brock? I am not. Well, if, since you're not, I want you to ask this first question from Brock Bagnall. He says, my wife doesn't really like horror movies. Leave her. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, but this time of year, she likes to try. Jesus. She likes to try. So <laughs> let's give her a round of applause for that. And a watch and watch a few scary movies with me. What's your go-to horror movie to put on when watching with someone who isn't a huge fan of the genre? Hmm. Well, I think the best thing to do is you got to go to that gateway horror through another genre. So I think a really good... Um, I think a good gateway film for people that maybe maybe they like comedy, you know. So maybe you throw on the Adams Family, mm. right? Because that's that's aesthetically pretty creepy and cool. But it, you know, creepy it's funny. And it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's oh, creepy. Sorry, I forgot the song. <laughs> yeah, I go for it, Dustin. Um, or something like my other two were like Edward Scissorhands, right? Because that's more of a drama, love story, whatever. But it, it's technically horror, and or like Rocky Horror Picture Show. 
So you got a musical, a comedy, a romance. So somewhere in there, if they like one of those three things, I think that's a good kind of gateway to be like, oh, well, you know, I kind of like this. Oh, this isn't actually that scary. It's just more fun. And then you're like, yes, horror is fun most of the time. There's a lot of fun to be had. So those are Rocky Horror is all three. It's a comedy, it's a romance, and it's a musical. Rocky Horror's actually got some freaky parts in it, too. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I love it. Dan, what about you? I just, sorry. So I at first I just wrote down like '70s prestige horror, not prestige really, but just like mainstream respectable '70s horror, right? Like Jaws, Halloween, um, The Exorcist. I feel like those are pretty ubiquitous horror movies, even though some of the, them are they're all pretty disturbing in their own right. But then I thought, because my wife she doesn't actively dislike horror movies, but she's not super big on getting scared, so she doesn't consume them as much as I do. And one that she really liked, which is funny because it's so goddamn scary, is the Blair Witch Project. And the reason I say mm. that is because it's, I mean, it's so freaky, right? If you don't like being scared, maybe it's not the best movie to watch. But also, I feel like it's so mundane for a while. And it's also so much in the cultural lexicon already that maybe it's not scary for a while because everyone's seen it spoofed. Everyone's seen the close-up shot and everything. That I feel like that kind of gets you through to the ending. And you cannot argue with that ending, regardless of whether you do or don't like horror movies like that. I think that ending just is going to have a visceral impact on you in some kind of way. Um, I first showed uh, Susan that a few years ago. And we used to live in this house with a, uh, a pretty big basement on Whipple Street in Chicago. And she would go mm, down there yes. to do the laundry. <laughs> and after she watched, she texted me. She's like, like She's like, you're gonna have to do the laundry for a couple weeks. Like, I cannot go down in that, <laughs> that basement by myself weeks. because of that ending. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, that ending is just so like. Once again, I feel like whether you like being scared, don't like being scared, or whatever, I, I just feel like it's so it, the build up. It, it, it's such a good payoff to everything you've done that you like. You can't argue with it. Like, you'll respect the power of horror movies after that. <laughs> I think it's like it's like seeing God for the first time. You know so what's funny? I, I have not watched Blair Witch Project in 22 years. Dude, it holds up, man. Well, it I really, think my thing yeah. was I was the person in high school championing this movie. Nobody knew what it was. I was like, we got to go see it. We got to go see it. We got to go see it. I think I built it up way too much in my own mind. I do. I, yeah. I think I built it up way too much, and I think I need to see it again. I think it's maybe I, time. I will say this. like, I, I actually saw it on my birthday. Flieger was there. Um, you know, I was like 14 or so, and we were so excited about seeing it. And my parents didn't want to see it because like, I don't want to see all that shaky camera stuff. So they went and saw Deep Blue Sea, and... <laughs> when Blair Witch ended I wasn't sure how I felt about it like I feel like it didn't I, I guess I, I don't think I appreciate like the craft and the filmmaking at that point it just seemed a little boring and my parents were raving about how fun Deep Blue Sea was and I remember being like man I wish I'd seen Deep Blue Sea but then as I watched it over the years it just sticks with me more and more each time so I, I yeah I think it might be due you might be due for a rewatch I, I, I thought it held up super super well a few years ago well, alright I mean my suggestion is kind of more in line with Max I, I interpreted this question as kind of like with Susan Dan, like I don't, it doesn't sound like Brock's wife likes horror movies. Maybe she doesn't like to get scared too much. Maybe she doesn't like that feeling, which I understand 100. percent Not personally, but from what I hear from other people. Um, so I would say you don't want to go with something like Hereditary or Angst, which is these super intense horror movies, right? Super intense. I think the smart thing to do to go with something that has a sense of humor about itself, like almost like a comedy horror something like a fright night or night of the creeps for example it was it would be yeah, pretty yeah. fun it's like like they're definitely violent and they can be pretty scary but you're kind of laughing along with it as it's happening you know uh so that would be my answer that'd be my suggestion these are kind of lighter lighter fare i would avoid anything by ari aster 
Um, I would avoid <laughs> yeah. the Exorcist at all costs on the first, you know, like, let's let's throw on the Exorcist. Let's throw on Salo. You know, I just don't think, you know, you want to avoid those. <laughs> <Salo>. <laughs> I've still never seen Salo. Uh, it's I don't not going to happen. Watch it. I don't, yeah, I'm not going to watch Salo. That or uh, a Serbian film. Unless somebody wants to pay us $50 on our Patreon. Uh, I guess get, we'd have to get to that, that tier, right? and I will absolutely uh, watch it. We'd have to order that. a special tier for a Serbian film. We'd have to order that. That's $100? We'd have to order that out of print criterion for Salo, I think. So it would be hard. I think my friend Alex owns it. Brock should show, he should show all the movies we just mentioned. Yeah, he's like, honey, Salo's on 100. Let's go. Salo 100 years or something. I don't know what the hell's going on. I mean, are those rest- how are those restraints? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me ask this next question on behalf of Rudy A. Martinez, whose initials uh, spell out Paul McCartney's early 70s album. You're talking about Ram, right? That's correct. <laughs> Where he's wrestling the horns on the front. That's the one. Watch out. Rudy asks, do you feel like any of the franchises you guys and gals have covered could work as a proper series? If so, which one do you think would do best? I know Scream got one, which wasn't the best. But I could see a Friday the 13th series being pretty fun. I know we had some shows in the past. I'd like to see some with the proper star villain in the series. Yeah, because so, the one in the 80s was like... Yeah, Friday the 13th, like anthology, it was a Frank... Right? Yeah, Frank Mancuso was still producing... I think maybe Frank, Frank Mancuso Jr. was still producing the Friday the 13th films, so he had the rights to the name. And there was a Canadian series. I think it was Canadian. And it was kind of a monster of a week situation where somebody, I think, uh, there was an antique shop involved. You know how these things go. Uh, long story short, no Jason Voorhees, from what I can remember at all, in that show. I think, if you want to talk about the big franchise ones, and I know... F- we had Freddy's Nightmares, right? right? So, but I'm not thinking one-offs with Freddy. I'm thinking, I think you could do a Nightmare on Elm Street as a long-form series. Because every season, you could have a new jumping-off point. Almost like you're just doing like a, a new movie every season. You're doing like six episodes or something like that. Basically, like extended anthology runs. Now, I do think that Friday 13th could work best as a limited series. Like a one-off if you set it back at the camp again. I think that, 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 those would be my two options. Halloween, I don't know. I think Halloween, for me, works best as a, as a really, really, really intense suspense thriller as opposed to what you can do with Elm Street and Friday the 13th as my voice cracks because I'm so emotional about I'm this so idea. I'm so And scared, so scared. and terrified. <laughs> Dan, you're going to do laundry for the next couple of weeks. I'm not going down to the basement. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mac, what about you, though? What do you think? You know, I had Nightmare on Elm Street on there as well because I figured you could attack it a couple of ways. You could do, like, the first Nightmare film over the course of, you know, eight episodes. You could you could, you could, could also do, like, a, a second season that's, that's a prequel season, hmm. which I don't like. But I do think if you tie it into them having had, you know, sisters and brothers that are no longer there, you could do that. Or do an every other episode thing where... You know, the the first episode is kind of both things going on at the same time um, as you, you discover who you know, Red Kruger is. And then, you know, the second episode, maybe in the present, third in the past, fourth, you know, hop back and forth. I agree with you about Halloween. I don't think that I just don't think that works because, again, that is a that is a character where the less you know, the better. And I we don't need to flesh it out. We don't need to know Michael's backstory or why he is the way he is. I just think it's better to not know 
what's going on, you know? Um, but that's just me. Uh, so what about you, Dan? I'm going to disagree with you both. Uh, obviously Halloween's my favorite. Um, but also, and I, I, I know I always sing this tune. I've been singing this tune on the podcast since we started it, but you look at those Halloween comics, man, Steph Hutchinson, so many of those mm, comics yes, are about yes. the town, right? There's, there's a whole, um, I mean, it's like a short story in the back of one of the comics, but there's a whole separate story about Charlie Bowles and what happened with him. So I could see that being like one season, like, like you really explore the residents of Haddonfield, maybe in, um, another season we go to Smith's Grove before Michael gets there and we learn more about Sam Loomis and him coming home from the war and all that. I mean, this would never happen because half of those comics are now rendered out of the timeline because of, other- uh, it could, if you, if you just, if you say, listen, there's going to be firefighters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to see be a lot of firefighters. Maybe you could, you could do it. I mean, Jason they've ignored, Blum's they've low. ignored prior sequels before with H2O and now they're doing it again. <laughs> yeah. So they could easily do it again and do, and cover these comics, Dan. So they're, keep, they're keep your like, hopes well, up. They're like, I mean, cause the comics are really set up like that. They're, I mean, they're not all anthology. Obviously some of them are barely Michael centric, but, but no, but even then, I mean, it's only a couple of core stories really feature Michael Myers heavily. And then the rest are like, okay, we're going to, see what the McKenzie's were up to that Halloween. This I just think Haddonfield has such a rich history as a town that you could really do that and then have maybe Michael just sort of be on the periphery a little bit. But um you know, I mean Dan, yeah, that it, idea to it, me it, sounds like it would work kind of in the same vein, obviously not the same tone as Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah, totally because Freddy's it's Nightmares. It's an anthology sort of like series that. that focuses on every episode focuses on Michael Myers, but it's coming at you from a different point of view. Totally. If you do the way the comics do it, you know what I mean? Well, and it's, and it's kind of funny. Would it, be, Halloween. would it be that each episode is introduced by the shape? Yeah. He's just standing there. <laughs> just no, it would be, no, Dr. Sartain would introduce every episode. Hello. Welcome back to our latest episode with Michael Myers. From the oh, afterlife. He's like, he's like, I wish I got to see Michael like you all are about to oh, see him. Yeah. I, I, of course, the story of Charlie Barnes. I can see him like dressed up like an exaggerated version of himself, like Peter Vincent from Fright Night. Oh, God. Picking <laughs> yeah, his nose, saying, here's I mean, the next story. Here's what happened to Lindsay. It is kind of... And once again, I know I've said this a million times on the podcast before when talking about Steph's, uh, Steph Hutchinson's comics, but it's funny because I'm reading like in Halloween Kills with the synopses, it's like, oh, well, this is about how far Michael's reach is and that how when he like encounters you, he never forgets about you and he affects the rest of his life. Now, that's a great idea and that is true. But once again, I I already feel like we did that in the comics. I mean, the whole kind of the whole point of the comics is like it's that idea of fate that they go over in the seventies, uh, the original movie, right. About how fate never changes. You can't run away from it. So the, the mm-hmm. idea is that, okay, the McKenzie's helped Tommy and Lindsay, uh, call the cops and they shelter them on this Halloween night. Michael knows that. And that's going to come back for them at some point, not in a direct, like he's going to kill them kind of thing, but it's just this, like he's on the periphery. So I, I think it really could work as sort of yeah. an expanded universe thing. But yeah, I get the bloom is going to be like, Steph, we'll give you that series. Uh, but you got to, uh, cause you got to have some firemen in there. We have to see their origins. <laughs> yeah. <they're> like <laughs> There you go. Episode one, the, the, the they, night, every, everything that the, the firemen were doing that night before you, going you, to the house. Oh, you, know, you see I some of them were like a... in the World Trade Center. Like, oh, God. They were like, they were like, hero, they were like heroes from 9-11. It just becomes the soul. I really think, and I was joking oh. around about this on not maybe one of the threads or even maybe one of the prior episodes, but I said that I thought that we we should do a um, a, a fireman uh, calendar for next year. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you did. I remember this. I remember yeah, this. Where, where you have Michael getting closer and closer. I, I'm legit. Just background. from the synopsis I read, that, which I won't spoil anything, but I... I mean, it's a lot of firemen. It sounds like the synopsis. <laughs> so I'm just I'm I'm going to be sitting in the theater counting how many goddamn uh, firemen uh, he kills. That, that's one. Uh, yes, that's two. Yes, yes. Okay. They're going to need to count. 
from Sesame Street to come out. <laughs> That's wand, wand, decapitated fireman. Thirteen. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> okay, Dan, why don't you read this next question here? All right. This is from, oh, shoot. Oh, our old friend, Brett Camber and Cujo Littman. Hey, Brett, how's it going? What are some of your favorite or most memorable episodes of horror anthology TV shows? Twilight Zone, Tales from the Dark Side, and or Crypt, Freddy's Nightmares, Black Mirror, you name it. Um, I, I don't, I can never remember if I talked about this on the pod at some point or if we just talk about it in general. Um, I'm going to go with Tales from the Crypt. It's definitely the show that I know the most out of those. And I don't even think this is a, an extremely celebrated episode, but the one that I remember the most from a kid when I was a kid um, is called Lower Birth, and it's about a mummy. You know, we a, might, you know, I think we might have answered a, a version of this question before. Cause right, because I, I feel yeah. like I remember talking, so yeah. I got to give the, the same answer. I think it was Tales like, from the Crypt specific, though, so keep going, but I've got some I think, other yeah, answers. I think so, yeah, I think whoever it was, like, oh, favorite Tales from the Crypt yeah. segment, but um, yeah, so it's this mummy that's part of a traveling sideshow in, like, I think the Depression era, and it falls in love with, like, a two-faced man, and um, let's just say that uh, the mummy becomes the mummy to a very um, iconic Tales from the Crypt character at the end of it. And maybe that's why I remember it. Um, and I, yeah. I even sought out the comic recently, read that online. And like I said, it's not, I don't even know if it's the best Tales from the Crypt or the most disturbing or the funniest or whatever else, but it's, it's such a strange story that it's always stuck with me. And the ending is a, twist. It's a fun twist. Real, real nice twist. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what about you, Justin? Um, I've got a couple here. Uh, I went with. Because obviously there's like the classic Twilight Zone episodes, right? Which yeah, people you guys know, know a lot of Twilight Zone. I've seen them. I actually rewatched it all leading up to Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. Uh, well, I'm happy I did it because I, there was a lot of old Twilight Zone episodes that I had never seen. And a lot of great ones I just want to rewatch. I will say that the Jordan Peele seasons were not good. That's what I've heard. I've yeah, not and I don't think I'm alone in that. I think that people have finally come to that realization. But for the Twilight Zone, I would say for an under-the-radar one that has really stuck with me over the years, called The Jungle. Now, I'll say this. Voodoo is involved, and I know it's kind of become problematic for some, for the use of voodoo. But it's hard to explain. Anyway, the people who get really punched in this deserve to get punched, I'll put it that way. And it's a great use of sound design throughout the entire thing. Kind of like imagine if you're walking. The big thing about this is there's a guy ultimately who's walking down a, a late night New York street, I believe it is down. Nobody, nobody's out at all. But then he kind of starts to hear animal noises that you would hear in the jungle. Your trees rustling. This is a great use of sound design, and it's got a really, 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 really creepy ending that I can't believe they did on television 60 years ago. I'll put it that way. Now, I've got one for Tales from the Dark Side, but I think Mac. I'm, I'm, Mac, am I going to guess to say that you have the same one I've got here for Tales from the Dark Side? You want to take I this? I mean, there's two, but I think you know what I'm going I know, with. I think I know what the two you got. <laughs> you, you got Trick or Treat. I got Trick or Treat. Which is the premiere mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Tales from the Dark Side, and it was directed by George A. Romero. But what's the other one, Mac? The Cuddy Black Sow. Oh, absolutely. Dan, have you seen oh, this? You, oh, Mac told me about the Cuddy oh, Black Sow years ago, and I hadn't. I, it was one it of those is, things. You t- yeah, you you told me about it, and I, you know what? It was like pre, it wasn't pre YouTube, but it was like pre you could find everything on YouTube, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I felt like I actually sought it out because I thought that name was so creepy. And didn't you, did you write something that had to do with the Cuddy Black Sal or like a comedy or a comedy sketch? Maybe I think you're like a comedy sketch. Yeah, I sketch hope that had so. To do with it. I don't. And remember, this would, would have been but... like 15 years ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure you used that in like a sketch or something. But I've never seen it. Matt, I've only heard about it from Mac. Well, this is very yeah, sad it's... because I think Mac and I, or maybe it was just me, showed this to I believe Randall Colburn. 
And Mike, you're a couple years ago, but I don't think it's on YouTube anymore. Somebody took it down. As bastards. Mm. Was it NBC or something? <laughs> Ugh, I don't know, but it's very we upsetting. We can find it. We'll find it for you, Dan. But if, yeah, if, if someone has access to that episode and wants to happen to find its way to us. <laughs> Either share know. it with us or just watch it yeah. on your own. The Cutty Black Sow Tales from the Dark Side episode. Really, really good. Grim. Really solid. Really good. And, I, and like I, Grim. I, I like Grim. Now these are like, oh, when everything was fine. Like, I don't want to see that. Scare me, you know? I, I totally agree, Dustin. What, what, what is that? Is it a Twilight Zone episode? The one where the the guys keep seeing the woman's eyes in the rearview mirror or behind him, you know? Uh, oh, that's a good one, too. That's he's a Twilight like Zone seeing episode. A therapist he, and, he's having heart problems, and he keeps imagining going. He's having these nightmares about falling for this really exciting woman and, and going to like a theme parks where his heart rate keeps elevating. Anyway, another, that's a very really good, episode good episode too. I can't remember um, the name of it, but uh, and yeah. the, I would say some that just stuck with me forever is like the midnight sun. I'm just a personal favorite. And it's, it's a well-known one, but it's a nick of time with Shatner. I uh, love that little devil <laughs> fortune teller. Um, just some really creepy moments in that. Oh, and by the way, the name of that Twilight Zone episode is Perchance to Dream. Yes. I thought when you said Nick of Time, you met the Johnny Depp movie. From you know, I, I dig, I, you know, I enjoyed that movie as well. <laughs> I've never seen it. It's only the poster. It's fine. It's fun. It's fine. Um, I haven't seen it in roughly 22 years. Maybe, no, 25 years probably at this point. Okay. Mac, why don't you get this next one? Roger asks, um, do you think if 80s horror lacked nudity, sexuality, it would have attracted more or less of an audience? Well, Roger, yeah. you, n- you never know. But I, I, I offer today's horror market, which is decidedly less trashy and brash, right, with its nudity, et cetera, and horror today, and um, with obviously some exceptions. But I, I would argue that horror is still very popular if not more popular today um i think it's just kind of like a different different strokes for different folks kind of thing (laughs) but um you know maybe it attracts a different kind of audience but i I don't know i don't know what do you guys think i i I, 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 personally i don't think it really matters i think it's less do you really think it's less oh you have to think about that here's the bottom line that a lot of you know pseudo puritanical and they don't know what people in the community don't want to realize there was no internet in the 80s. Aside from magazines, the only way as a young teen that you were going to see any of this stuff, any nudity or sex, usually was going to be in a horror movie, namely slasher movies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, and nudity in softcore uh, sex and movies is not in demand today for many reasons, obviously. But another big reason is, you, and, and this can't be denied, the, the bottom line is you can turn on your phone right now and find nudity and pornography in a matter of seconds. You so know, I think I'm that not... that was a huge draw of the 80s, and that's why there was so much of it, because they knew that that would bring in, especially the target of, the, of bringing in like teenage boys to go see these movies. But, but you thought that, you, so yeah. you think there would be, wait, so you think there would be more, P, if, wait. It, I, no, it, I think it, that there would be less of an audience in the 80s if there oh, no, wasn't. I agree. Yeah, I agree with you then for what you just, yeah. yeah. And I, at the end of the day too, I felt like people, 
I mean, it was, well, I don't know. Cause I, I feel like the old cliche race, people have more of a problem with sex than they do with violence. But I, I, I yeah. also think people are horny and they don't want to say it, you know, and yeah. well, I, oh, I yeah. don't know, like 80, their eighties comedies did were super raunchy. I feel like that was probably the heyday of having R rated nudity in comedy movies. And that didn't stop people from going. Yeah, no, I'm with Justin. I think more people would, would go to, I think people, if they, even if they, even I would say, especially the ones who say they're offended by it are actually titillated by it. But I'm saying the question was, do you think that it would have attracted more or less of an audience if it didn't have? Right. I kind of read less. I do yeah, agree less. with you less. too. I, I kind of was reading it more of an, a, I, I don't know, like, like do horror fans need to have that in a horror film kind of thing? And, and I don't, I don't think they need to. I don't think you I, need to. But, but I, I read the question that... kind of wrong. So yeah, I do agree though. I think it would it would have been less because you're right, Justin. That was really the only way. That and you know maybe an R-rated flick was the only way you were getting any of that stuff that back then. You know, unless sure. you snuck into your parents' room and your dad had a Playboy or something underneath. The that's it. I mean, that's the only like, other I, way. I, like, I thought you, you were going to say. I thought you were going to say unless you snuck in your <laughs> parents' room and watched. Oh god, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, that's another horror story. Dan, no. Okay. Not where yeah. I was going. I uh, let me ask this next question here. This is from Mike Kidwell. And by the way, I, I I kind of I'm gonna. I think I might have spoiled something for myself because I have not uh, seen this movie yet, so I'm not going to read the entire question. Um, it might be spoilers. So let me just, here we go. Check it out. Okay. Mike Kidwell says, I'm watching A Quiet Place Part 2 and losing my mind watching people make dumb decisions. Can you think of any horror movies where the characters make basically every good decision they could make and it still doesn't work out for them in the end? That's a good question. Because right, I feel like most of the time we always watch movies and we've got to you know, suspend our belief for a second because otherwise we're asking... Why isn't Lori taking the knife with her? And that just ruins everything, right? So mm-hmm. I've got a great recent example of this. And Mac, please mute. If, if, if I'll wave if you want to come back in, in 20 seconds, if you want to take your headphones off, because I'm going to oh, spoil wow. something from a subspecies movie. <laughs> I will wave at you. I know Mac is Mac has been watching the I full movie features. I think I'm fine. Okay, to okay, okay. Fine. So. I'm getting the, there, but I'm not. there is a series of movies called Subspecies that follow this vampire named Radu, um, the tremendous hero, character. The hero Radu. Yeah, sure. The hero. Do you, Radu. Do you think they got Radu because it can it, it all those letters are in the word Dracula? Like, do you oh know my what I'm god! Like, His last name is Radu Kla. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Radu, Radu. Uh, so great. Listen. These movies vary in quality, and I'm being very generous when I say that. But every time Radu is on the screen, played by Anders Hove, tremendous. Excellently so good in these movies. Why they decide to spend so much time with this lame-ass love interest who's you know becoming a vampire is just beyond me. Anyway, this is what happens in Subspecies 4 Bloodstorm, a.k.a. Subspecies The Awakening, might I add. We've been following this trio of characters from Subspecies 2 and 3. The movies were shot back-to-back. And they're more or less making the right decisions. You know, they survive the second movie. They survive the third movie while other people don't. And it's like, okay, good job, good job, good job. The fourth movie starts. And by the way, the fourth movie picks, takes place right after the third one. So these all these all take place like in two weeks, you know. Okay. The fourth movie starts. And we discover that literally immediately after escaping the evil clutches of Radu... And this woman rescuing 
her sister with this American ambassador and, and everything else. They all died in a one-car accident. <laughs> well, that's a way to explain away people that couldn't <laughs> so, come back to the fourth film. Like, yeah, we don't want this. We want to have a new cast, so we're going to kill these people off. Like, it's still day. Like, it's literally like they turn the corner. It looks like from from, from like a gather from where the car is positioned when this other person discovers the car and the bodies strewn upon the ground. That's a perfect example of. Dumb storytelling to save a buck or to reboot a series. But there you go. They made great decisions for two consecutive movies, and all of a sudden, one wrong turn, and they're all dead <laughs> car and accident. I, I only saw the first one as a kid. I actually had a Red Dude action figure that I sold, oh, wow. which was stupid. I mean, I should not have sold it. It came with a little Red Demon guy and the, his, the stone. Oh, yeah. and oh those guys disappeared I, too I in the fourth movie. It's a big sold mistake. It, but I, I've only seen the first one, so I need, but it looks like they're all in 2B, so I might need to... Um, they are. That's how I watched them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I... It's funny because you're saying that, and that, that makes me think of like Alien Three, right? Like everyone mm-hmm. in Aliens does, does it. Yeah, like, my review on Letterbox was for those who thought Hicks and Newt had it easy. Yeah, oh, man, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, and it sucks because they 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 go past like insurmountable odds to live in that second movie, and then just to have it taken away, and then also too, I mean, it's more retroactively. But if you think about it, Halloween H two O. Lower, I mean, spoiler, I'm not spoiler alert. Everyone's seen late, that, yeah. right? Uh, you know, she does the thing at the end of the movie that we always say to do, cut his fucking head off, cut his fucking head off, and she does. And then they come up with that ham-fisted explanation of this. Uh, but if we're talking about, like, within that same movie, because I think some of these writer, oh, Hollywood came in and had to retcon Yeah, that's what I'm stupid. going with. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, because you guys both know this movie well, but I think in The Thing, they they do about as well as they can do being put in this crappy situation with not a lot of resources. Like they, you know, they try and track it, they try and kill it, et cetera. And it's just such a nihilistic ending because one of them, you know, is possessed by the monster at the end. And I think I don't, they reveal in like a video game or something who it is, like who I, oh, I, I don't, God, I don't maybe. know. I think it, they do either way. I mean, we know, it might, but I it's think supposed it's, to I think be, it's supposed child, to be right? open-ended. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But either, either way, right. They're, even if they they're not going to get rescued, probably. Even if one of them isn't the monster, they're probably going to freeze to death. Out oh, there. That right. was the one I, I thought of. But yeah. what do you guys think? I mean, because I don't think they make any stupid mistakes. I think the thing. biggest mistake they make is in the last few minutes when they say when they get separated. Because once that happens, it's up for grabs. That's a good. Like, point. Okay, I'm gonna go just... down the hall here and take care of this. You go down there and take care of that. It's like, well, there now we're. Yeah, they could have just stayed together. That's a good yeah. point. Once they knew it wasn't one of them, they could. Yeah, that actually is a good point. So I don't know if that one counts. What, what about you, Bill Mac? Uh, no, I, I had uh, I had Aliens, Alien Three. I mean, like Ripley. I feel like in Aliens is making all the right moves, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the way through I'll that movie. style, all, all the way through that movie. And I mean, I st- I guess it still takes her another movie to, to get to get something. But I guess um, she gets clone. She gets, gets brought back, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, geez. But uh, yeah, I also had the thing on there because I, I I just rewatched that uh, the other day actually, and I I feel like they. They pretty much make all the moves that they need to as they're learning about, you know, as they come upon the new information, they start following the protocol, you know what I mean, as best they can. And then just, it's just because of different, you know, specific events, they kind of keep getting thwarted as they move through the film. But um, I was just, I was just talking to them about this, about, they say that your your clothes get shredded when this thing attacks you, right? So when once it's done assimilating you, it's got to go like, buying clothes to put on right like it's got to go like change so it's like the first thing that they all should have done burn all the clothing in the camp except for mm. what they had on 
Because then they would have known. <laughs> they would have known who the thing was. You run around naked. I've watched, uh, you know, I've watched Halloween with people before who haven't seen it, and they've ruined it because of the knife thing. They're like, oh, I should pick up the knife. It'd be funny if you watch the thing with people, and they're like, well, why don't they just burn all their burn clothes? Their clothes. <laughs> so why don't they burn their clothes? Um, and then the other one was uh, more of a recent flick, and I would say it doesn't quite work out. It's kind of a cliffhanger ending, but I'm not going to spoil because I think it's a good flick. Is your next? Is the lead in the movie the protagonist that's a good one i think is pretty once things start going down is pretty much a a step ahead that's a really good one that is a good one if you um if you don't want there's no sequel to that film and i will say the ending it's kind of like well i i think that i think i think she's still I don't know. It just I guess it just depends on your, you should, your viewpoint. <laughs> people, if if you're listening to this, well, if you're a Patreon, you should be able to unlock our your next episode, right? Because yeah, we talk, we right, go yeah. into that about the ending on that. That's a good. That's a really good. I think that that takes the cake for me. That's a good one, Mac. Like, especially for the same movie, and not producers being like, "How do we get rid yeah. of these people?" Like we we could probably find a ton of Hollywood bullshit with um with like, oh, well, the characters did the thing. Right, but then the producers got greedy, and they undid well, it wasn't even so much greed. But on Doctor Who, usually you see the Doctor become the next Doctor, right? Regenerate to the next Doctor. But they, in between seasons six and seven, the season just opens. You see the back of somebody's head that looks like the sixth Doctor, and there's like a there's like an accident or something. Like the you know, the TARDIS is being fired upon. And he like hits his head and falls to the ground and regenerates. It's like it wasn't even the sixth doctor. Really, really bad. I think it was like what, Sylvester McCoy with a, still, a really bad wig on. I still maintain that I would love to see a legit doctor, like halfway through the season, like be talking to their companion, and then they just like fall into a hole. And then they like, when they come out, new it's, the new, it's a new doctor. And it's no there's no ceremony, there's no like five episode lead up to their demise. Sorry, that's, I mean, that's, a, like that's the, a Doctor Who tangent. Yeah, that's a, the, like the first Doctor is, that kind of happens. Does, yeah, uh, yeah. does the Ewoks Caravan of Courage count as a horror movie? Because they just like kill that family in the beginning of Battle brutal. of Endor. They kill the entire family. Brutal. Battle of Endor, like these kids, they kill the the little girl lives, but the, her brother and the parents just eat it in the first five minutes of that sequel. So, um, and speaking of the thing, yeah. uh, Wilfred Brimley shows up. Oh yeah, hey, a little connection that's there. Right. That's right. He was probably what forty two in that movie. Oh yeah, we. I was looking at. Yeah, we, we always play we always that talk game, about right? that. Okay. But, yeah. All right. Who's going to do this next question? Who's up? Uh, I think I think I'm next in the rotation. So this comes from A Ali. We regularly hear about the same masters of horror from the 70s and 80s: uh, Romero, Carpenter, Craven, etc. Are there any lesser-known horror directors you think should be talked about more? Brian Usna uh, is one of mine. Uh, did Society, of course, and. Uh, it's funny, but when I th- this Maybe is a great question. Bride of the Reanimator too. Yeah, and like yeah. it's funny because I think Brian Hughes is a good one just because he's so aesthetically distinct. Like he, I mean, he's his movies are. Yeah, maybe they're not the best storytelling, but they're always these huge effects fests, and I I feel like they kind of stand on their own. Like he has a vision, you know. <laughs> I feel like the people that came to mind for me were more like sturdy workmen but that doesn't mean yeah. they're not talented like i wrote down the big one we talked about a lot steve minor like i think steve yeah. minor has a really solid filmography and if we're just talking about horror movies i mean friday the 13th parts two and three very strong entries in the series two is like might be my favorite house i've never seen warlock i hear it's decent oh, you know what i just really fun somebody randomly liked or retweeted a tweet i did a year ago or earlier this year about that movie because i hadn't seen it until recently but it's a good movie. 
yeah it's yeah fun. and and you know it's funny and then i and then i i'm actually a big uh a huge obviously a huge h2o fan and also uh lake placid I did not see that day of the day remake which i heard oh, well, good. Don't, uh, yeah it's, yeah but I, but I, lo- I actually love this disney movie he did called wild hearts can't be broken um and i don't know so i guess what i'm saying is that i don't we always joke about minorisms that he actually does have some kind of signature calling cards when it comes to cinematography and you know using the periphery you know, I don't think he's in the same league, obviously, like John Carpenter in his heyday or whatever. But I do think he has a really impressive horror career, and he does bring some visual flair to it. So that's that's who I wrote down. Um, I think some people take issue with calling him a master of horror, but hey, you know what? He's my master of horror. Um, and I have a few other names, but I want to see what y'all say first because I feel like you might you might have written down some of these. Hey, as well. you know, I got minor. He's at number one forty eight on my all time directors list. That's a compliment. That's not bad. Yeah, for real. Compliment. Just behind John honor. Hughes. Just behind I, John Hughes. Highest honor in the land. Right. I, I had difficulty. I, I really couldn't think of anybody because every single person I kept coming up felt like they only really did like one horror movie. You know, it's just like I can't really say we don't talk about them a lot enough. Because even though that movie's good, it's not like they're, they were doing other horror films all the time. You know, like Steve Miner, that, that's a good pick, but I couldn't personally think of anybody that that i think maybe we're just too mired in the horror community i'm like we hear all these names all i hear these names all the time i I don't i don't i think uh i think the movies that i'll give an example of i think we think about the movies but we don't always think about the people behind them right Mm -hmm. so for like the 70s i've got bob clark yeah i have bob clark as well uh black christmas and death dream in the same year and then children shouldn't play with dead things i think a year or two earlier i think that's a pretty interesting trifecta the 70s mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's a pretty good one right there for the 80s we, i brought up earlier but i think tom holland yeah he wrote psycho 2 co-wrote and directed child's play wrote and directed fright night and i think he also wrote class of 1984 which max saw recently yeah that's, that's good. good i watched that that's too good. yeah um, i think he's responsible for a couple of the best horror movies from the 80s i think that he well, should and that's be talked a pretty about rock star run right there too you know i mean that's right. a, yeah yeah and i think it's funny because bob I, I wrote down bob clark as well and at first i'm like well he only has a few horror movies but then i thought you know i think he more gets remembered as being either a comedy director or the christmas guy like okay he did christmas, christmas story. story and he did black christmas but i feel like that no one really knows about death dream i don't think um so people certainly i mean outside of you know horror twitter people don't know about children shouldn't play dead things yeah, and Tom Holland, we, I think we talked about that on, not the Child's Play, but so before that even, I feel like, yeah, we were talking about how he doesn't really get celebrated as being like an, I guess like an auteur or whatever else. Did you have any other names, uh, Justin? Those are the those are the two I, I thought of and wrote what, down. What do you guys think about uh, the, the two Dons? Like Don Mancini and Don Coscarelli. And, it, and it, I, had, I was hesitant to write them down because I'm like, well, no, I, I, like Mac was saying, I feel like we do... If you know horror, you know who those guys are, right? And they get celebrated. But then I'm like, you know, like my mom knows who John Carpenter is, but she probably doesn't know who Don Mancini or Don Coscarelli are. You That's know, so point. like it's it's that weird yeah. thing of like being you like all those masters of horror. I feel like those are ubiquitous directors that anyone who's seen a movie will know. But uh, you know, guys like the two Dons, I don't know. I, I I think you have to like have a kind of working knowledge of the genre to know who they are and appreciate them. So those are the other two names I'd written down. I think now. So many people associate Child's Play with Don Mancini, and that's why I said, "Well, don't forget so much. Tom Holland actually directed the first movie." You yeah, know, like people, I think people do forget that because you talk about the other masters of horror. Romero wrote and directed *Night of the Living Dead*. 
John Carpenter wrote and directed Halloween. Wes Craven wrote and directed, um, what's it called? Oh yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, <laughs> uh, Toby, Toby Hooper. But people forget that Domacy did not direct Child's Play. That was the terrific Tom Holland. But uh, sorry, no, I, don't think this, I don't think this is going to be a question that we're going to answer later on. But I am looking forward to this new Child's Play TV series, Chucky, oh, that Don Mancini is, is behind because yeah, it's too. a great example of just keeping the story going at any cost. As opposed yeah. to just, here's another reboot. No, no. We're going to keep this thing going. If you haven't seen the other movies, you're not going to be rewarded. And I, and I like that. I like that. Anyway. But yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else, Dan? Or you good? No, yeah. Those are the ones I wrote down. Cool. Look, there's a lot of people out there. We could probably go on. I mean, if we just pulled up our various... Well, I, mean, I got like a letterbox. I could probably just start scrolling through and saying, oh, yeah, what about this person? What about this person? I think there's some more good people who have just begun. I think about... Right. Um, yeah. Like Ari Aster, I'm sure, hopefully, if he keeps doing these things. I know he's kind of a polarizing figure, but I think he's much a genius at this point. I'll be pulled by somebody. And Justin Gerber says Ari Aster's a genius. Um <laughs> I, I, we'll I even see. think Robert we'll Eggers too. I know, I know, I know. Especially yeah. the Lighthouse was. I mean, I, I, both his movies are polarizing, but still, they have like they have a vision. They have a ton of style. They have a ton of research put into them. Like I think they go beyond just you know gun for hire horror movies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, Mac, you want to get the next one? Yeah, Angela Novella says, uh, "Is there a horror movie that can that you can envision a sequel, trilogy, or even possibly a franchise that hasn't been developed yet?" On the flip side. Is there a horror movie franchise that you think would have been better off remaining as a standalone? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I feel like a lot of films. <laughs> well, Mike, the, the two um, mics aren't here, so I'll just go ahead and speak on their behalf. Of course, they think that Halloween should have just been one movie. So I'm speaking on their behalf. I, I know yeah. that that's what they would say here. Which I disagree would be with incredible, that, but, but I disagree with it because I still think there's so well, many good I, I movies. Agree to, I agree to a point because... Oh, Mac, you go, you go first, Mac. You go first. And I'll, oh, I'll, no, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I was saying, I'll, every, I'll, I'll circle back. I, I think every great movie, whether, whether it's a horror movie, comedy, or drama, doesn't need a sequel. Unless it's specifically designed that way. Like, if, if it was just Halloween and that was it, excellent. Like, it's not affected. You know what I mean? It's like if you ended after Empire Strikes Back and didn't do Return of the Jedi. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think you need it. But personally, I think that the world is worse off with all the Texas Chainsaw sequels. All of them. All the remakes, reboots, sequels, everything except for the first one I'm not a big fan of. Also, and this is not a joke, there was a TV movie called Look What's Happened to Rosemary's Baby that came out in the 70s. With Patty Duke as Rosemary, uh, Ruth Gordon is back as the next-door neighbor. It is awful. That movie happened. Bad (laughs) idea. Now, well, I think could have worked as a franchise and I kind of wish they had done it because they kind of tease it is I wish they had done more sequels to the Blob remake could have done small town big city take it overseas I think there's a lot you could have done with that because the Blob can take different shapes and wild effects you know I think that would have been a pretty fun series to investigate but uh, Mac anyway what, what did you have yeah no I was going to say and we mentioned this before on our Nightbreed episode but Nightbreed I think could have mm, be- yeah. benefited ah, from multiple movies, a franchise for sure. You could, there's so much you could dive into and then spinoff movies at that. Um, and then I think, you know, Fright Night had two films. I really wish we had a third final Fright Night 
and that, and I, I, again, I probably said this before on the podcast, but that idea that maybe it was meta where it was taking place now. And then someone went and got like Chris Sarandon to help him. And Chris Sarandon was like the Peter Vincent esque character playing, you know, he's the vampire in the movie. So he's the wrong person to go to, but the, the person who maybe goes to them isn't well versed in horror movies and just happens to know that Chris Sarandon lives in their neighborhood or something, you know, like, I don't know. There's a really fun thing sequel there. I feel like they could have done, but, uh, well, Tom Holland's we apparently to- written, a Fright Night book. The book, yeah, yeah. That I'm still waiting to have come out, but we'll see if that happens or not. Um, and then a horror franchises that should have just stopped. Um, ooh. <laughs> SF, I agree with you on the Texas, Justin. I, I, I'm really not a big fan of the rest of those. I know Dan wants <laughs> Dan, well, Dan's like, I wanted to stop podcast, after two. Uh, in a big way, so just just uh, get ready. Dan, you can host the season of, of Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, I mean on this episode, so uh, get ready. <laughs> oh, oh, I know. The, I, I think uh, The Conjuring. Stop after yeah. the first one, because I, mm-hmm. I like the first one, but you do not need to continue that series. It has not been good. Spend your time on other things, Juan. I want a Malignant 2. Then you wouldn't get Annabelle. You oh, yeah. wouldn't get... Is the Annabelle nun connected right? Then, uh, the yeah, welcome so much fun. The nun is unfortunately You don't need any of those movies. The boy is not. No, the boy is not. We don't always tell movies. Dan the boy is not affiliated. <laughs> those movies still would have come. They would have just been. They didn't. You don't need this fucking Marvel Universe bullshit with horror. Just make a standalone film. Doesn't need to connect. You can. It can be a cam. It can be. It can be little Billy leaning up against the wall in dead silence. But it doesn't need to be a direct connection. We don't need the lore. Not everything needs to be connected. It's just so. It feels very forced. We don't need the despicable, disgusting Warrens showing up again. <laughs> They're gross. Anyway, abuser. Look abuser. it up. Look it up. Allegedly, of course. Well, look I it up. Say, are we all board. malignant heads on here? I still haven't watched it. Uh, look, oh, I, I thought it was pretty fun. It. But I think we talked I, about I it in really another enjoy, episode. So. I did enjoy it. It, so. it was between today, Malignant, and watching Dirty Work for the first time. I, I went with Dirty Work because it's shorter. Um, I, saw, I think I saw it. By, I, I, Dan, I, I'm surprised because you saw it by yourself too. But I watched it by myself a couple of years ago for the first time. And I love Norm MacDonald. But I think there's a certain, certain movies for me personally. I've got to be either with a big group of people or, or, or be younger. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say it. this know what it was for me is that I saw a lot of the bits from the movie when I was younger and thought they were really funny and this is the first time watching it all the way kind of stitching it together you know so I yeah. think that's maybe what, what helped because I had the same thought I'm like oh, I mean there were parts that felt dated and it format wise it definitely has a certain look about it you know of the 90s but uh, yeah I enjoyed it but will I like it better than Malignant we'll have to see maybe I'll watch, uh, yeah, I'm watch curious. I, I really think you're gonna enjoy it it's not like God's gift or something it's yeah. not I mean, but, I'm it may be a little this. too long, but it is. It's yeah, I'm, that's a that is a, a movie I would like to see a two and a three and a four. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, that's where I am. I don't know about these sequels. Uh, to I think there's. Yeah. A, I think. Uh, I think there's some crazy things you could do. Going malignant was malignant. a it'd be like malignant uh, mistress of evil or something like that. Like maybe sure there's we'll... a, a malignant a malignant thing on a malignant. <laughs> I don't want to I'm sure anything. we'll get we will or get Dan, sequels but... uh, uh, to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say I'm not critical because I. I'd, I'd like to think I articulate my criticisms well about movies, but in terms of just like overall enjoyment of a horror movie, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty easy with a lot of this stuff. So um, I think you're yeah. having fun. Yeah. That being said, I 
this isn't a franchise, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I actually think it does, out of all the movies I could think of, I think it does the original the most of services, The Descent 2. And it's oh, not even good like example, the, yeah. It's not even like the absolute worst horror sequel. It just really Pretty undoes bad, everything. The, it yeah, it's, it's Compared to the first one, it's just sort of... Um, and then uh, people are going to completely disagree with me on this, but I just like the first one so much, and I got kind of intrigued when they said there was going to be a sequel as it, it follows. I know, I, I know that can get really crappy, like exploring the origin of the monster or whatever else. I guess I just really like that director a lot. I'm curious what else he might have up his sleeve. I don't even know if that's happening anymore. I know they were talking about a sequel. Yeah, for a David Robert Mitchell has entered the uh, Neil Blomkamp camp of I, I I've seen yeah. the most recent movie and I was like I was not a fan of Under oh, the yeah, Silver sorry, Lake at Under all. the Silver Wake. Silver, so Silver I'm a little I, more hesitant. I think I reviewed my... that for South by No, I, I I should clarify. I don't love that movie either, but I do like his style. Like I like his. I think he's an interesting voice to bring to horror, and I still love it. Follows. So I love I'd, it. I'd, follows, be, I'd yeah. be interested to see what he what he cooked up. Right. Yeah, I think the only reason with that movie originally I wasn't too interested was that they were talking about it being a prequel, and I was like, we don't don't shed light on this thing. Like if you shed light on it. Have it be in a sequel, but it doesn't even, don't, you know, I don't need to see the origin because it's ultimately whatever they come up with is not going to be satisfying. It's not going to be scary anymore. I agree. It's like pulling the sheet. It's like pulling the sheet off. It's just don't do it. I think the sheet plays a part and it follows or blanket. I can't remember what it is. It is a blanket. Okay. Next question here. I'll, that's my turn and this makes sense. I'll take this one. John Klimpsack says almost a, it seems like an accusation we're about to get here <laughs> he goes in the Halloween 2 1981 version episode of Halloweenies Justin made the claim that he feels Halloween 2 is the best slasher film going as far as saying he likes it better than the original Friday the 13th after revisiting all the films over the years do you still feel that way and where does everyone else feel Halloween 2 stacks up when it comes to the slasher genre I maintain that I personally think that Halloween 2 is as good as the original Friday the 13th. I think they're both very good movies. I don't think Friday the 13th is as good as Halloween. I need to make that distinction right away. I mean, honestly, name a slasher movie, and I'll tell you if I think Halloween 2 is better. I think I think it is. The Mutilator. It's better than Mutilator. It's better than Madman. It's better than My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> oh, I mean, I can slum, go on and on. Slumber I think, Party Massacre. I think it's better than all the Slumber Party Massacre movies. I would... I completely agree with you. And I think the key word is slasher, right? Because I don't think the first Halloween movie is yeah. a slasher. We had a good, we think, had a good discussion about yeah. what makes a slasher movie and, and why... I, I think I personally felt like sl- Halloween 2 is slasher and Halloween is not a slasher movie. I would agree. And it, would Halloween 2 be the first slasher? No, it doesn't predate first friday the 13th does it I, I don't it does remember. friday the 13th is before no, that no but yeah. i i agree and i love friday the 13th but i, I completely agree with you i think Halloween. i mean i'm a huge halloween head obviously but also i think halloween 2 th- that movie's only gotten better for me as time has gone on i think too is the timelines have gotten all convoluted and now it's not even canon anymore i appreciate it that much more i'm like no i think this was actually a very forward-thinking horror movie even though i think even the creators look at it as kind of a boneheaded movie i i agree i would agree that i think it might be my favorite slasher movie because once again i don't consider the original halloween a slasher i don't consider psycho a slasher i don't consider texas chainsaw to be a slasher um there there is not an they none of those movies embrace explicit violence and exploitative violence in the way that halloween 2 does which is why i think it takes that category but it still has that kind of class from the first movie what about you mac 
I think it's slasher centric. I think it's a, it is absolutely a slasher. I I don't uh, I don't know where I would stack it. I mean, again, it's kind of like Justin said. You've got to throw movies out there, and then I could say whether I think it's better or worse. But because there's a ton of slasher films, but in terms of my like the best slasher film, I I could not talk. I could not say that that was the case. I would have to look at this and, and come back to you. Yeah, I put everybody on the spot, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I believe, I've thought about it, obviously. I mean, I've thought about it for a while. Yeah. Or I go to bed every night. I'm like, which one is it? Is it Halloween 2? Yes, Halloween 2. And I think you should thank Dean Cundy for that as well, above everybody else involved in that film. Great cinematographer, Dean Cundy. God, I, you know what's great about this is that, the Van, is that Vanderbilt and Rothman are probably just absolutely screaming right now in just absolute misery <laughs> that I said all that. that and they, they couldn't rebuild it. <laughs> they couldn't rebuild it. Um, okay. Dan, you're up. All right. This next one comes from our old friend, Emily Winter. What's up, Emily? Hollywood heard your solid gold. Dead people calling for the commentaries bit. It is a solid. It was that bit. It's, 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 it's real. It's real. It's respect true. to the dead, please. <laughs> and now you're all A-listers. What horror movie are you rebooting and what role do you give yourself? And I'm, I'm assuming role like... Why? I don't know. Do you think she's in the film? Like acting in the role? Role? We're oh, in, in the film. Oh, the I, would, film. I would think oh, in the film. Okay. Yeah. We're in it. All right, let's, let's do that then. And then she also said, any closet rom com heads in the group are welcome to go that route. Yeah, I'll like turn to me. Uh, no. While you're sleeping. No, while you're sleeping is perfect. Um, Wait, Dan, what's the song? Which one? Angels were weeping. Bing. While you while were sleeping. sleeping. While you while were sleeping. sleeping. I love that scene. I love that. It's such a good. I love that. Netflix is <laughs> love. Check it out. Anyway, I love that. I did, a lot of good music. Hey, and some uh, good Paul McCartney on that show too. Talk about Ram Jet. earlier. Yeah, Jet. Ooh, actually, I know this is weird. I like the version on Love of Jet better than the Wings version of Jet. So good. <laughs> wow, that's that's um, a Halloween bold. two take right there. That's a bold take. <laughs> we, yeah, and yeah. So what do you got? Real. What do you think, Dan? What do you got? Man, I, what, what movie are you going to be in? Yeah, this, so this, I mean. I think I would have to. Be, I, I have talked a couple times on this podcast about remaking Jaws and just staying really true to the book, um, mm. for and for many reasons. Oh, However, you want to be Hooper from the book, huh? Well, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you want to sleep with Ellen Brody? Yeah. Oh wait, yeah. so you're gonna be Hooper and you get Mark Prox to do <laughs> to do Clint? Clint? Yeah. I know, there's all these like um, <laughs> remake remake uh, Jaws with like Lin Manuel Miranda as Hooper in this oh, and that. So it's funny. like no, do Mark Prox. No, but I I Lin was Manuel just, let, let's say this, like, You're say all gonna die. Were, Say they were even good because my, my preference if they did remake Jaws would to not do what they did with the original, right? Do, I mean, with any remake, right? Do something different. However, it's Hollywood. Say they did just do a typical shameless, just we're going to do the movie exactly like we did back in the day. You know, I would give myself any of those roles, maybe probably Brody, I guess, because he's, he's the lead. But I've, I've said this before. I love, I love just watching people hang out on the beach in the 70s. I mean, you get to see some sharks, and that's cool too. I love sharks, but I love. <laughs> watching jaws because it feels like my grandparents i'm getting to see my grandparents and how their social life was in the 70s i just really like that world a lot every time i go to the the jersey shore and you know you see all these old houses and everything i, w- I always think about oh, man what was social life back, like back then so that's such a simple answer for me but that's that's what it would be i would love to i, I, I would be brody you know he's a cool guy <laughs> he's respected he's a big hero at the end a movie brody not i'm not getting cuckolded <laughs> Like the, the book Brody, oh, they mean, horns. Not Brody movie. from Mallrats. You're talking about yeah. Chief Brody. Yeah, so that's it for me. It's so simple, but yeah, I think I just I would just love to. Hang. Once again, for me, I mean, as much as I want to get scared by horror movies, I always love horror movies where I just like that world a lot, like Halloween. That like mm-hmm. I like just hanging out and that in the '70s is a big one for me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what about you guys? 
I'm choosing now. I'm a big, big, big fan of remaking movies that need to be remade. We don't need mm. to do this. I appreciate your jaws out there. <laughs> yeah. Any but more mobsters? I'm looking at and... 2014's <laughs> Clown. Um, oh, that's oh, a good one. Really call good. it in the film Cloin. Um, <laughs> that's right. I, I think it's a big swing. I think that trailer is scarier than the movie. I think I it, it's great, great, great premise that could be really, truly terrifying and and unforgiving. Uh, and I just, it just somewhere it gets lost in the lore of the thing, and it just kind of meanders and doesn't quite deliver. Doesn't quite deliver on its promise as much as I wanted it to. I would, of course, star as the cloin himself. And uh, I'd give it a, give it my all. I'd give it my all. I like all this. That's a good idea. McCloin Z Gerber. <laughs> <laughs> Mac, that's your new cloin name from now on. McCloin Z. I, Wolfman I, cloin, I, I just cloined that term. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I swear um, to God. But, I, I, uh, yeah. Justin? Mine, I swear I wrote this down yesterday. I did not know you were going to talk about this even briefly, Dan. Warlock. Oh, really? I want to play come up before, Warlock. You'd be made Warlock. Play, uh, well, my idea was I just want to bring it back in any shape or fashion possible okay. because okay. The, the first one's so good, and then the second one is an absolute disaster. And I didn't even watch the third one. Mac, I think you watched the third one, right? Warlock oh, yeah. with, with Bruce yeah, Payne in the role as Warlock. Payne and... uh, anyway, it's such a fun movie. I, I would have a great time. I would relish the role of playing the wicked. The wickedly talented warlock. <laughs> um, I mean, this guy. What well, about all. horror movies? I love this guy. No, what was I watching recently? Oh, for example, subspecies. Let's go back to subspecies. What I loved about subspecies is at least in the first one, there's no tragic backstory for Radu. He's just an He's absolute just asshole. That's, like, that's, dra- that's how the original Dracula is. No exactly. one ever does that. Yeah. It's like he's just it's a just, parasite. He's a dickhead parasite. Exactly. There's the no tra- romantic love. He's uh, my my love where I've been cursed. No, no. He's an yeah. asshole. And Warlock is an asshole. He's an asshole. And I, I think let's do it. Let's have a really mean, nasty time with that. And I think uh, let's bring that back. No more hand holding in these horror movies. Let's let's go. All I'm doing now is <laughs> picturing go. you in Warlock, in the original Warlock, <laughs> yes. in the all blonde, like the, the all the like the data and special <laughs> effects. Week. It was just you, like, flying around in, like, a black, like... Like, blonde wig. Outfit, just, like, doing Isn't these weird, like, like, loops and weird... arachnophobia, right? He's like... Yeah, Julian Sands. Julian Sands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's so funny, man. Anyway, fun movie, but I'd be more than happy to, to reboot it, provided I play Warlock. Okay. Uh, all right, who's up next here? Uh, is that... Uh, Kids, Mac, uh, right? Yeah, uh, so Greg Green. As I just watched Thief because of how highly most of you talked about it when you rated other Michael Mann movies in your Manhunter episode. We are, I'm, I'm excited about that. That's me saying that. Uh, you obviously aren't ever going to cover Thief on Halloweenies, so I wanted to ask you all, uh, how, I wanted to ask you all how you heard of that movie. Sorry, I got confused with the wording there. I'm about the same age as you all, but Thief was a total blind spot for me. Personally, I, I heard about Thief through Justin and Mike. I had never heard of that movie before. We went down a Michael Mann rabbit hole at one point, but I missed out on Thief on the original diving into his filmography. So I watched it up here. I actually watched it up here as part of a movie marathon we were doing, and it was the last film, and I fell asleep during it, unfortunately. Went back years later and watched it and loved it to death. 
Uh, Justin, how did you first hear about Thief? Well, this is a perfect example of what bad VHS boxes can do to you. Because the, the VHS box for this, not the original poster, which is awesome, but the VHS box is just this generic picture of James Caan holding a gun with like a really bad backdrop as his thief. I just thought it was some generic 80s movie. I had no idea what it was. Same thing happened with Manhunter. The Manhunter VHS box originally in the 80s was also just this generic, looked like some straight to HBO movie or something like that. So I just didn't have any interest in seeing it. And then when Manhunter was reissued in the late 90s, I watched it and I loved it. And I just started doing some investigating, much like James Caan investigates safes and how to crack them in Thief. And so I watched Thief. I remember watching Thief on like a crappy VHS and this old TV I used to have. And it still was so good. One of, the, one of my favorite endings. And the soundtrack by Tangerine Dream is absolutely essential. I like it just as much as Manhunter, actually. And I think it's very good. Yeah. Really like it a lot. Dan, have you seen Thief? Still haven't. I've been oh, meaning wow. to for a really long time because I mean, you guys have raved about it. Um, Rothman's been talking about that movie pretty much since I've I've met him. Um, I've seen. I mean, Michael Mann doesn't have a ton of movies. I've seen about over. Ha- I've honestly, I've seen all the good ones except Thief. Um, and the reason I haven't is because, I, you know, I usually tend to watch movies late at night. It's pretty long. Oh, these are slow it's burns. A, yeah, it's a slow burn, and it's one of those things where. And I, I, I remember when I tried to watch Blade Runner like four times. And I finally had to watch it when Mac and I were on a, tr- a plane to Vegas. <laughs> brought the, we brought the DVD. And I was he, like, and all right, you're awake. It's mid afternoon. We got to do it. Because, because, we're going to watch love, it together. <laughs> I love Blade Runner, but you need to watch that movie, movie for the first time when you have the time and the attention for it, right? And that's yeah. why I want to do a Thief. I don't want to put it on HBO or Pluto TV or whatever and like fall asleep and watch it in 20-minute increments over a week. Um, I just don't think – from what I've heard about it, that's not the way to do it. So you gotta, I will. You got to blow through these movies. Yeah, yeah. I guess sit down and watch them. I, agree. I will soon. I do want to see it. I I have a uh, caveat. To, this goes back to our, uh, our remake question. If I was going to remake Clown, but it wasn't going to be <laughs> Clown, it would be Thief, and where – Mike Rothman slowly turns into James Conn's character <laughs> after putting on the say. jacket. So this really weird kind of like early eighties <laughs> afro, white afro thing going on. And he's, like, he's like compelled to to rob banks, uh, but the these safes are like outdated now, so it just doesn't end up working at all. Gigantic I thought, shoulders. I thought you were going to be the cloin like clown and he was going to be like hamburglar because the clown like a ronald mcdonald thing because you know no his name would be his name would be his name would be my my con so michael and it would be coin thief um where we would team up as a buddy buddy action comedy well you know no joke max middle name is james so if it was a team up it would be mccloinsy james con gerber and uh, and Mike Mike in his last name. Well, he has the first name is Michael Mann, and then in his last name is Michael Mann's last name, Ralph Mann. So That's right. It's, like, it's very confusing. Nobody likes him so much. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Michael Mann's middle name is Roth. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. um, why have we never thought about that before? This is why we do these podcasts. Okay. Check out Thief. Okay, next question here from JTRC2. Movies are only one type of entertainment media. Given that we all have some common interests, it would be great to hear some recommendations of TV shows, non-Stephen King books, because I think they know that we are also in the Losers Club Stephen King podcast. Mention that. 
uh, fan films, Twitter follows, websites, other podcasts. So for me, I think um, just in terms of shows I've been watching this year and enjoyed, The White Lotus on HBO. Yeah, it's great. Just really great. Again, okay, this is not horror necessarily, but it's pretty disturbing, obviously. Some, yeah, there's some uh, horrific stuff in it for sure. Well, I'm watching now, and I'm actually really enjoying, especially as it goes on, and I obviously have a, a deep affinity for the two leads, or two of the three leads, dating back to me being like six years old, is uh, Only Murders in the Building, with Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez, and Amy Ryan's in it now. Uh, really good. Really impressed with it. Really funny. It kind of gets... Dramatic, a lot of it. It's a little more dramatic than I thought it was going to be, actually. It's not this goofy mystery, murder mystery. Uh, it's still on the Hulu right now. I think, oh, I'm looking forward to Succession, which is coming on, I think, next month. I can't wait for Succession to come back. And aside, of course, from the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, The Ringer is my go to for, for podcasts because uh, it, it hits my spots of uh, pop culture with movies, TV, and, and sports. So I just kind of parse through there. There's a number of uh, podcasts I'm subscribed to there. So there, yeah, there's some recent stuff, and then we could we could do a whole other spinoff episode about other stuff that we enjoy, but what, what, what about you, Dan? What, what do you have? I've been on, I mean, like you, I mean, I feel like we're always consuming media, right? And yeah, White Lotus is great. Uh, you know, for comedy, I love I Think You Should Leave, and Joe Parra talks with you, and, and uh, John Wilson, all that good stuff. But as far as, if we're talking about genre-specific things, I've been really lately, <laughs> I, I visited the uh, Frank Frazetta Museum in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, which is right near where my parents live. And so I've been on this like fantasy art kick lately, um, which I've always been, I've always had interest in that, but I've really been diving deep into some of the old heavy metal magazines. And I actually pulled off my shelf. Um, there's an artist named Wayne Barlow who did, who's done a lot of stuff. He designed the creatures for Pacific Rim and Hellboy. And, um, but the way he got known was in the eighties, he did a couple art books. He has Wayne Barlow's guide to extraterrestrials and Barlow's guide to fantasy, where he takes fantasy and science fiction books and draws characters from them, like how he interpreted uh, them. And he actually did one for the monster from uh, who goes there, which is the short story that the thing is based on. It looks nothing like either of the movies. Um, I think he does an old one from HP Lovecraft he does the guild navigators from dune and it's really cool because oh wow a lot of these drawings i mean there were these very vivid paintings a lot of these were done before the more famous movies came out right so i feel like you really just see oh this is what an ama- this is how an amazing artist just interpreted this on the page so yeah, i nothing's just, informed it's just this is just exactly him. yeah it's really cool like i weirdly i kind of like his version of the thing monster um you know better than i mean i obviously i love the thing uh but yeah so i've yeah i've just been on this big like vivid fantasy sci-fi horror artwork kick again since going to the Frisada Museum. So that's kind of my current obsession. Um, yeah, and I think you can find those both those books pretty easily. They've had a few different editions. Um, and who knows, after this uh, podcast, maybe I'll even go pull them off the shelf myself and uh, you know, get, visit some old friends, some, smile. Old, <laughs> some, some old, old aliens. <laughs> yeah, um, but I mean, and then, you know, he draws in the same book, he'll have like a a creature from Wrinkle in Time and a creature from the Sword of Shannara. So he does, he does famous stuff too, but he also does, And also I should say, those books are a really good source of recommendations because a lot of these science fiction and fantasy novels I hadn't heard of until I read these books and then I sought those out. So in a way you're getting like double bang for your buck, right? You're getting some cool artwork and some recommendations. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Barlow's Guide to Fantasy and Barlow's Guide to Extraterrestrials, I would highly recommend. Well, Fantasy, did he end up doing anything from Cloyne? Clown. Yeah, he's, he actually drew Mac. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go, Mac. It's crazy. All right. All right. All right. That's I'll good. spoil my Halloween costume this year. 
I don't yeah, know why the cloning thing is so stupid. <laughs> the name is so stupid. I, I didn't think much. That's what was so dumb about it. Cloning. Uh, it's it's the Russian. It's the Russian. Uh, the history of the the clown. Uh, so, uh, Justin and I have gone on down the Star Trek. Hole, oh yeah, there essentially. You go. There uh, you go. I would suggest actually picking up Paramount Plus because it really does have every single Star Trek thing on there. And I burned through Next Generation earlier in the year. Uh, the all seven seasons, and uh, I'm really far into in the fifth season now of Deep Space Nine. And uh, if you're looking for a, a, um, a Star Wars, if you're Star, if you were a Star Wars kid and you just loved it for the action, you're going to love Star Trek for the meteor stories and uh, the, the scientific uh, notions and the, the the feelings. All the feelings are being had here on this show. <laughs> I mean, there's action, um, but like you said, it's not. There is action, but it is, it's, it's much not, more thought-provoking and, yeah. you know, real issues being tackled here, politics and religion and all sorts of stuff. But um, aside from that, uh, book-wise, uh, graphic novel-wise, uh, or, or now in the form of graphic novels, I would su- suggest, really suggest for people to go back and read the original run of Hellblazer, which are the John Constantine books, because they're really dark. They're really scary. Some of the stuff in there is really scary. And John Constantine is not just like this great pr- protagonist. Like he's not a good boy. dude. Um, and uh, it, it was not what I was expecting. But uh, I would suggest for folks to go back and read that. Um, you know, Dark on Netflix. If you haven't seen that, good guy, get on it. Three seasons of really, really, really well done storytelling. Uh, German show. What we could do um, is just kind of break down like a books, movies, TV, podcasts. And maybe some up, maybe post like on Patreon or something like that. So here's where some random things that we also have been listening to. Because like you said, I, I've been watching Deep Space Nine for four months. I just wasn't thinking about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It just becomes well, part I mean, of the life. You know, know, unless someone asks, like, what are you doing outside of this? You know, it's, yeah. it's just not on the on the on the brain. You know, and uh, I know Dan does this because I see it all the time. But uh, so I can say Dan and I both have uh, accounts on Goodreads. So mm. if you go to our accounts, you can see what we've. We, we log everything we read. So there quick, you go. Uh, quick question about that because this, this pissed me off the other day. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I mean, not really. Good reason you listening. Did they, did they, they, it used to be that you could change the edition to whatever cover you're reading. But they got rid of that, right? I can't do that oh, anymore. Oh, I've never even attempted to do that. I just log it in. I used to always love to switch the edition to like whatever the exact cover was I had, but I don't think you can do it Sounds anymore. Sounds like you need to update you your to phone. Be able to scan, <laughs> you used to be able to scan the barcode of the book you have. That's and true, it would, too. It would, it would change Wait, the real? cover if it... Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Maybe maybe, maybe that's yeah, how they have that. to do it. Try Look, doing that through there. Yeah, We're all no, learning life things hacks. here. Life, all life hacks from Mac. Yeah. All right. Dan, next question. All right. So this one comes from Jaden Hartfield. I hope I'm saying that right. With trends repeating throughout the years, do you think that in this decade will horror have any new trends that may be set or old trends that may be followed? Doesn't necessarily have to be a trend. It could be anything, genre, style, stories, et cetera. I mean, there's a whole rabbit hole we could go down for this. But the thing, I know this is such a little thing, but I've been seeing it a lot lately, is setting horror movies in the past in like a very specific year and like putting that year in the title and like leaning into the periodness of it in a way that I hadn't quite seen before. So you have the fear street movies, of course, and I think VHS is having like VHS 94 coming up. It's, um, it, it's, it's, I'm, so I'm specifically talking about the title and maybe really leaning into the aesthetics of the past and, and not, in my opinion, not always to great results, like to the point where I feel like the, the, 
style is overwhelming the story being told a little bit but that's that's one that i've noticed uh what about you mac um i i agree dan i think i have been seeing that i don't know if i think we're going to continue to see that especially in horror because oh, 100%. I, because i do feel that even though i agree with you that they get lost in the in the this is it's 84 look at my cool look at my cassette tape and whatever you know what i mean uh is that they're trying to get away from how easy it is now to get by these things with like cell phones and the internet and just like the, the communicability of like there's only so many scenarios where you won't be able to contact the authorities <laughs> these days but uh, but yeah no i agree i think there's sometimes they get lost in it i think we're gonna see horror films continue to be metaphors i think Horror, oh, that's, that's the rabbit hole. I, I, I knew someone just, would go down. It isn't yeah. just boo scary; it's boohoo as well. And I just, <laughs> I think we're going to continue to see that. I think it can be done really well, but I think that it's it's kind of being overdone a little bit right now. People are relying on that more than actually scaring yeah. people, which is or yeah. you know, are the opposite of that, where you know, doesn't matter what it is, it's the projection of it is, is on, is on it constantly. Like it's about this actually. And it's like, and then you ask the director and they're like, no, it's just kind <laughs> yeah. of, it's a slasher flick. I just saw the trailer for day of the dead, the series on sci-fi. And although, you know, kind of interested in seeing it, uh, and I'm, I don't, I may be good. I do think after what, 15 years of walking dead, we're a little stuck on zombies. I think, that's not going anywhere anytime soon. I, I, I think the, the zombie story is done. I, I really think it's done. I think we need to take a big step away from it for a long time. I'm not saying that Day of the Dead won't have its merits. It might actually be really entertaining and be good. But personally, I'm just kind of burnt out on the, on zombies. I think to go back to the 90s, uh, to quote Freddy Krueger from Stephen Hopkins and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5, The Dream Child, party's just starting. I mean... Uh, <laughs> You know, the whole past decade, it was all recalling the 80s, peaking with Stranger Things, right? And now, like you said, we've got Fear Street that's just slathered in 1993-ish. Like the music. And, and I, I kind of enjoyed all three of those, actually. To I, I enjoyed them. I'm not sure if I'm going to revisit them and how often and how well they'll stand up. But, you know, you can't deny that it was just constant references to the 90s in a way that kind of started to overwhelm the actual plot. And like the music, just the constant music. And I love music in my movies. I love Dancing and Fuse, which we'll talk about later on. But it seems so just kind of crammed in there because, hey, this song came out in uh, 1993 too. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a hypocrite for later discussion. But I don't think, I think the 90s is going to be the prevalent thing going forward for the next decade, the rest of the decade. So there you go. That's, that's my take on that. And I think that zombies are just going to be around. I don't think they'll be as popular as they once were. But I feel like The Walking Dead, there's still going to be like the Rick Grimes trilogy coming out, apparently. You know, Fear the Walking Dead. Fear the, Fear the Walking Dead's still Let on, go. right? I agree, I, but I, I think know. these, are, I these things are here to stay. So anyway, there you go. I, I, the 90s are also here to stay. It's the 90s again, folks. Get ready for your Jinkos and corn. I think I had a pair of Jinkos and candy corn. I had around several pairs of Jinkos. Oh, I didn't Lord. have the I didn't have the ridiculously baggy ones, but I had you know I had the, the cargo pants and the corduroys and all that. Hmm. Mac, next question. Kate, McCarran, Macarin, 
Mac, I hope saying maybe. that correct. Mac Macaron, hopefully. Uh, if Halloweenies gang was given the opportunity to make a movie, doesn't have to be horror. Who would be director, writer, casting producer, cinematographer, etc.? Now, I think they're asking who in the gang would cover those roles, right? I, I read it that way too, but I, then I thought, well, I think they're just saying, like, who would you pick to direct, write, cast, if produce? We, but if let's we just say, let's give it the five of us. Let's just do the five of us. That's more fun. Cool. I personally think, I think Justin would write it. Mike would produce it. I would direct it, and I think Dan and Vanderbilt would star in a horror comedy called Cloin and <laughs> Cloin's Day Out. <laughs> no, I don't know what disgusting. the actual movie would be, but I think that those are the roles that, that the, the folks would take on. I think that I think honestly, Dan and Vanderbilt and I think would would cycle through. Maybe acting. I don't know, Justin. Would you think you get in front of the camera for this one? Mac, I'd be more than happy to. Thank you for asking. I'll be more happy to step in front of the camera once again. It's we're been a we're while. all triple threats, right? We are. I mean, I always <laughs> said. We I, could I, all I look star at, in it, uh, but I look at everybody here and I say, you know what? At the end of the day, we're all just Warren Beatty. You know, we're we're producing, we're, we're writing, <laughs> directing, starring in things. Oh, I know what we could do, Justin. Let's just let's do a new uh, Dick Tracy. We'd all be in it. All Dick Tracy? We'd all be Dick Tracy. <laughs> sounds great. We all get the, the yellow. But we're all Dick Tracy, right? But it's a normal Dick Tracy plot. There's nothing about why are there five of you? But we're all just like in the like we're all being like, get Tracy in my office. We're and all, all in five the diner. of us. No, hold on. Like the commissioner goes, get Tracy in here right now. And all five of us just walk into the room wearing like the big yellow coat and hat, and we're just listening to the commissioner yell at us. But we're all Dick Tracy at the same time. All five of us are, are there. we aware of each other? Are we the, all saying the, the same lines at the same time? The plot doesn't even talk about it. We're, not even, we're never like, there's nobody like, why are there five of them? Why are there five of them? Or this movie's got five <laughs> Dick Tracy's. It's just like Dick Tracy, and then the five names, has to go deal with Flat Top. And then that's, that's, the, that's the movie. All five of us is Dick Tracy. There you go. I Make it happen, it hasn't, Warren. It hasn't been done yet, and I, I think it's original, and I think it'll get the green light because studios like to take chances. Yeah, I'll, I'll, studios like love IP. taking chances. Dan, I think also if you've said it in the 90s and have a little bit of bush in there, a little no doubt, I think it's going to be a hit. <laughs> what about you, Dan? <laughs> I'm just imagining like, no, I'm imagining like Dick Tracy chasing after Prune Face and... Like spider webs is playing in the background or something. Okay, Dan, what do you got for the? Oh, oh, we're each answering this question. I thought we, I thought we, we were collectively. Oh, we're, if we collectively answered, like I, I, we're collectively I mean, like, play, like that, we're collectively playing playing Dick Tracy. I can't. <laughs> who would you I be? I mean, if I was in Dick Tracy, I, I, I my favorite was always Influence. I thought he was super cool, uh, Henry Silva's character in the. I, I love the Rogues Gallery in. in Dick Tracy, like you I agree. Fa- these you guys you don't know much about. You want to talk about Francis? I wish happened. Dick Tracy. What? I love. I would love that. I've, I think the nineties movie is great. I think. I mean, didn't Warren Beatty like reprise his role in a commercial or some shit? Like, he a few did years it ago? to to maintain the rights. He did some ten minute interview, I think, with Leonard Malton as Dick Tracy to save the <laughs> so rights. Isn't that incredible? He's so old. He was old I back know. then when he did. He's like ninety now. I know. Yeah, let's anyway. get fucking. Let's do Space Cowboy. It's like Warren Beatty. <laughs> Donald Sutherland, Clint Eastwood, <laughs> Tommy Lee uh, Jones. Anyway. Okay. Uh, next question. I'm excited uh, about this. Okay. M. Neely. 
What are some horror films that the Halloweenies love that most people hate? Also, at the other end of the spectrum, what horror films do you guys hate that most people seem to love? Uh, for me, as we somehow discuss every podcast, I, I just don't tend to like James Wan very much. Um, horror-wise, I, I do like Furious 7, and I did like Malignant. But for me, Malignant even becomes more of an action movie than a horror movie in a lot of ways. I don't think he's very good at, you know, suspense and terror and horror. Three foundations of making a good horror movie, in my humble opinion. But I know a lot of people love him, and he's definitely kept horror in the conversation for mainstream audiences specifically, so I can't really... I don't really bag on that much. I mean, I, def- I, I take it back. I've definitely bagged on his movies before, but he's probably a billionaire by now. I'm, I'm punching up, you know what I mean? It's fine. Uh, but I will say, movie that most people hate, but I kind of love, Mother by Darren Aronofsky. I like Mother a lot. I, yeah. I'm with you on that one, yeah. But I, I, think it's I, I totally underrated. get it. I get why people hate it, but for all the reasons that people hate it, I love it. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those type of... It's a great polarizing movie, much like, coincidentally enough, I think Malignant is very polarizing in the same way. The same reason people hate it are some of the reasons that I actually like it a lot. So that's those are my answers there. Dan? All right, so this is another one of those things where I know there are plenty of people in the horror community who like the movies I'm about to name, but I, I think they're also pretty derided. I love The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. I think it's The Gremlins 2 of that series... I love how it sends up the original. Toby Hooper said it's closer in tone to what he envisioned originally. I love how zany it is while still being scary. I don't know. I don't, but I, I, I say people don't like that. I know you guys all hate that movie. But I think that's, I, that's got a good cult <laughs> audience now though. But right, I do yeah. know people I don't like it. But, following, yeah. well, I've got a, I've got a couple more for you then. Um, I, you know, I like, I like the Texas Chainsaw remake a lot, but I feel like that's had its audience now too, with like the whole fucking throwback to the two thousands. But I really like Texas Chainsaw the beginning, the sequel to the remake, which I don't feel like people talk about a lot. You know, um, I, I I never finished it. I got halfway through. Oh, it's nasty. It's and just I fast a, forwarded I, to I the fast end. Forwarded I, through, oh, you I did fast too. Fast forwarded through that movie to get just to the for the kills. It's oh. um yeah, yeah it's the just only like, movie it, I've ever done that. <laughs> I I like that it's just a disgusting nasty horror movie. I like that okay. it's not. I respect that. Um, so hmm. so I wrote that. Um. I like the Pet Cemetery remake. A lot of people hate that movie. I think um, I actually it's kind really of down like the middle movie. for me. It's down the middle. Yeah, and then um, I wrote down. I, I, I don't think it's the movie people hate, but I think. Um, but they never talk about it. I love the Ghost in the Darkness, the Michael Douglas Val Kilmer hey, movie. Yeah, I agree. It's not a horror movie necessarily. It's a good like creature feature almost um, about the man who of Savo, the two lions who were uh, eating railroad workers in Africa. And you can see their skins at the, uh, the field museum in Chicago, not the railroad, um, not the railroad workers. Skins. Yeah, yeah. Not the railroad workers. The, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Dan. Lines. I went, I really thought that. Hey, maybe they're there. I don't know. Um, Very. and as far as something that's so, that pretty much everyone likes that I don't so much. I, once again, I don't, this is not a movie I hate, but I think it's supremely overrated, and it goes back to what Mac was talking about before with everything being a metaphor. I think, weirdly, this may have been the start of this, is the Babadook. I, don't, wow, I, I didn't think, know you didn't like it either. I, I, I think it's all right. But it's fine. I, I think people were talking about it like it was the most terrifying thing, and to me it's not terrifying because it's... I hate the ambiguity in that movie. I hate how it's like not really defined. I hate how you never really quite see the Babadook. It all just feels like it's... 
being mischievous and lurking in the shadows the whole time. And I think the metaphor is really heavy handed. And I, I feel like people were talking about that movie in the, in the same way they were talking about hereditary and, and midsummer, which I both love, but I, I Baba Duke to me was just kind of both blunt and vague at the same time. So that's my, my choice for that. But, uh, yeah, like, yeah. that's a movie that kind of, I think loses, it's loses itself. For yeah, me personally, I and I, obviously a lot of people get a lot out of that movie because it does deal with a lot of heavy, heavy themes. And I think obviously people can relate to that, and I, and I totally get that too. But personally, I think I'm with you, Dan. I think Mac might agree with us on that. Mac, where do you stand on, on Hey, we're finding our, our tribe, our people, huh? Yeah, you know, I think, I the, think Duke the, the lead of that film <laughs> was a fantastic performance, but mm. I think the film, at the end of the movie, someone was telling me, oh, it's just a metaphor, it's just a metaphor, and I was like, yeah, I know. It's like, no, okay. but I almost didn't. I didn't <laughs> want it to be, except that last sequence is like really frustrating because <laughs> I was like, no, I yeah. wanted it to be a monster. <laughs> like, I don't and that's what I love. It follows it's something it's, else, you know. It follows as a metaphor, but it's a fucking scary monster too. Yeah, you know? I agree. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm at on Babadook. I I think something that we all, well, most of us love. That I think is not necessarily loved by the Halloween franchise folks is Halloween Six. <laughs> I think that's there's a, a, lot to that's a good one. Yeah, of course. I think that's we talked a, talked a big game on that movie uh, as much as we could, and and although admitting all of its faults, I think I still genuinely uh, enjoy that film, and I think still a lot of people me, don't man. like that movie. I uh, could certainly name some films that uh, we don't like that people love. I, you know, it's funny because I. I I love the Saw franchise for a reason, for a specific reason, but it's not the reason that most people love it. Most people, I think, genuinely love that franchise and, and think it's good. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I find it good in a different way. I find it extremely entertaining, but for all the wrong reasons, probably. Like outlandish um, is why I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm a big Billy head. I was sad to see Billy not show up in... in uh, and spiral, except for maybe a picture on a table. Hey, you got a you um, got no a Billy bonus and, Billy in Dead Silence though, so it's right. like it made up for you know, spiral. No Billy, no dice. That's why I I watched Dead Silence and I I think he got a star for the Billy cameo. <laughs> I you know as a bonus before we move on to the next one, I guess another hot take I could do is that I think that the best Saw movie is Jigsaw. That's my hot take. Yeah, I'm, I'm with I, you I, on that I, one. I don't, oh, I don't you're agree. with me on that. Wow, all right, I, maybe second best because I love um, Saw three. But I think Jigsaw is like easily top two or three at least I for me. Think I think that's, people. That's like it, in the it's, bottom it, tier for me. Oh, I love it, man. I think it's so simple. Well, it's it looks like an actual it's, movie with 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 characters in it. You know, I mean, that's a big difference too. I, I like the twist. Yeah, it's that's good. Like, it's but if it's not good, like I, I liked it. That was well, good. I was in. Well, especially after the god awful. What the the is the sixth uh, one's awful six, and six, yeah, six and yeah. fifth or fifth. I can't remember which ones are bad. Okay. Uh, next question. Who has, who's going to do this one? This is from Becca and Taz. Once again, hopefully I'm saying the name right. Do you guys enjoy haunts, haunted attractions? If so, what's the coolest you've been to? Mm-hmm. My vote is the Hallow Scream in Bush Gardens, uh, Virginia. I grew up near Bush Gardens, Tampa. I actually never went to Hallow Scream, but I did go to Universal Studios, which I know you guys did yeah. too because you lived in Orlando. We did. Loved Halloween Horror Nights every time I went to it, and I have two houses that stand out for me. And I found out there is a Halloween Horror Nights fan wiki page that has every haunted house listed pictures oh, of man, it what I the queue was like right. i will say it is great because i was like because i I, re- I remembered what these w- were like but i couldn't remember th- what they were called and i found this whole thing was pretty cool um so in 1999 
Psycho through the mind of Norman Bates. It was tied to the Psycho remake, but the idea was that you were just stepping into his psychology. So you go in and there's like just a room with knives hanging. And then um, you go in another one. It's just a bunch of people dressed up like old ladies coming after you. You're just going. And then at the end, you get to experience the shower scene. It was this very surrealistic. Uh, I thought the um, last thing you see before you leave, though, is, is Vince Vaughn masturbating. Yeah, <laughs> you see him looking into no, it. I remember that. I remember that one. It, I went to that. It was great. I loved it. And yeah. I, I uh, and I got the Norman Bates movie maniac at the Virgin Megastore on the same trip. So that was cool. And then the, uh, the other one that I remembered, and I didn't know what it was called, and I love this name, is uh was the all night die-in this is 2003 and the theme that year was that a director a demented film director took over universal and in this you walk in to one of the back lots and there's a huge drive-in screen playing scenes from like you know halloween nightmare on street etc and there's a rip in the screen and you walk into the rip and then you cycle through nightmare on street friday the 13th texas chainsaw massacre and halloween and and they seamlessly fade into one another so you're like in the myers house getting chased by michael and then all of a sudden you're in the woods getting chased by Jason. And at the time I thought that, that was just so cool. And it was the first time, I think the first house was Halloween or maybe the second house. And he, you know me, how much I get scared by Michael Myers. And I didn't know we were going to see him. And once I, once I realized I was in like a replica of the, um, the Doyle house, uh, I was just like, holy shit, he's here, he's here. And so that was just such a immersive, crazy experience. Those are the two that I, um, I remember, but Susan and I are going to Sleepy Hollow this year on um, New York on a haunted hayride. So we'll see how that stacks up. Watch your head. <laughs> watch your head right now. What about you guys, though? You oh, know what, uh, Mac, like you said, we would go to Halloween Horror Nights near the end there. But I think that from what I've read, I, I get so jealous now because I feel like it's just gotten better and better. Like when you Dude. when they see those walkthroughs of like Halloween two or Halloween four, the Halloween like, four, like these, these obscure, these relatively obscure sequels for mainstream audiences. And the attention to detail, just it would blow my mind to see it, especially in person. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, they, so. Halloween four had <laughs> like you go through every scene or like setting of the movie, including like the power station. Like in that diner, they have the photo, the portraits of like Abe Lincoln. It was really weird. It's I mean, it's so crazy. I feel like when we went to it, and I loved these houses, but from what I was reading, because they have a bunch of production notes on this uh, this wiki, I think they were just like repurposing. The same stuff every year, right? Pretty much um, at Universal. Anyway, oh yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, anyway, the key sorry, was you get scared, yeah. you know? Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I remember going initially when the Crypt Keeper was the original like host of Halloween Horror Nights yeah. for years, and then kind of disappeared for a while, and then there was no host, and then they were like, "Well, it's more fun when there is a host," and they had Jack the Clown and all these like things after that. Should have brought Cloyne. Um, I know they should, they should have they missed they missed the mark there. Um, after 2014's Cloyne hit the hit the <laughs> theaters, I can't re- specifically remember. I remember that that Psycho House, Dan. I and I definitely went like multiple years, but I, I think I just went to a lot of generic houses because they were probably easier to get into than some of the bigger ones. But I do remember my favorite parts of the park were the scare zones because they would just be riddled with people out there ready to oh, scare yeah, you. Oh, yeah, that's right. There would be fog machines going crazy. I remember going to this, the particular scare zone I loved was the carnival one over by where Jaws used to be. And it was, uh, you know, you'd hear like the Tales of the Dark Side music playing, you know, while you're wandering through there. And you just don't know when someone's going to jump at you. Yeah. Because, you know, and they, they know that, that area so well. So, you know, but you're going through there, and I don't know, maybe I've gone there like once a year, so, I'm, you know, you don't know where these things are hiding. <laughs> but 
love it. Love being scared. I love that the fun uh, feeling. Um, and but you do feel safe in that park, so it feels very curated and very very cool. It's it's like nothing else. Yeah, I, I would I, I would love to go back. I want to go to that Halloween Four House so bad. Maybe they'll do a subspecies. <laughs> oh, I would. Get if, really if you had Radu walking around in the fog, it'd be great. <laughs> I'll, I'll play him. For, I'll I'll do it for for free. Mac, do your imitation of Radu for all of our listeners who like those, right? Uh, my fledgling, you know, my fledgling. I'll take you with me. I'll to, take you uh, with me. The the houses and the haunted houses and and Universal Studios. I'll tell you what. How about this, Mac? Why don't you read this next question as Radu? Okay. Paul Jacoby asks. Why do you guys rank frailty among the best horror movies of the 21st century? So accurate. What do you think, what do you think Radu? <laughs> Answer us yourself now. I think it's like drum, drum, Dramora. Dramora. Which is, which is drama. It's a, a fusion of drama and horror. <laughs> like a horror drama. <laughs> I'd rank it fairly high. I think it's more... No, because I think it's more of a drama than a horror movie, to be honest. Oh. Um, I think there are horrific elements to it, but I think it's more of a, like a drama mystery movie. It's more like a, um, like a Schindler's List situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Schindler's List um, frailty. You know, it's 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 a heavy heavy in religion theme, so I will I'll go with that. Yeah, mm. but no, I think it's a really solid concept. I, I don't know, I don't really particularly throw it. Up. It's not the kind of movie that I'm gonna throw on every year on Halloween. You know what I mean? Like, I think if it, to be amongst the best horror films, to me personally, it's got to have kind of like a a rewatchable element that. I don't know. I mean, I get you could put it up there with movies like The Exorcist and stuff like that, where you're not gonna. I don't know. I'm, those aren't like rewatchable movies for me, but I think that they're some of the best. But um, personally, like best horror films are the movies that I want to watch every year, like Fright Night, and, you know, all these other goofy films. I, I have. I'd say it's, I. You could argue that you could put it in like top twenty-five for the last twenty years. Yeah. Looking at the twenty-first century, I, I I'd be hard pressed to find. 25 horror movies I think are better if it's not there it's like right on the outside I mean I really loved it the first time I saw it mm-hmm. I've only seen it a couple times since but I remember enjoying it the, 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 the times I, I've seen it since great cast first of all obviously Bill Paxton's really great in that movie both kids are really good in it and of course the late powers booth is great as always um, it's been a long time I, I do wonder how much of that initial enjoyment was due to the twist. No spoilers in case uh, you accidentally spoil it, who cares? I wonder how much that would really affect a, a real sit-down rewatch. God, it's been about 20 years since that movie came out, which is crazy to think about. But but yeah, I've always I enjoyed it. It's it's up there for me. It's it's a good it's a really good one for the century for sure. Dan, what about you? Yeah, same for me. I mean, no, what's funny is I got it on DVD in college. I actually watched it quite a bit. Like I watched it a lot um, around the time it came out. It's funny, I never watched it in Texas when I lived there um, because it's such a Texas movie, right? But going back to what we said before about you know horror movies exploring deeper themes and metaphor and all that, what I love about that movie is, once again, uh, without spoiling too much, I mean, it, it does have an actual element of horror in it while also, I think, being a very interesting exploration of religion and hypocrisy and justifying horrific acts in the name of religion and how literal 
how literally we should all take that. I think that's no, a good way to put directly, it thing. That is directly attacking that issue. Do you know yes. what I mean? Like yes. it's not tr- it's not pretending to be something else, but it means this. Like the metaphor is there, but it's it it's in your face, and that's the point of the movie. So it's, I think that's why it really works yeah. in that film. I, yeah, I, I actually might revisit it sometime soon because I re- I love to watch it back in the day. I make it sound yeah, like, dance going to sleep to it every night. <laughs> I make it sound like in the, like in my dorm room at Florida State, like have, like making some popcorn, calling everyone over to, to watch for. Like, where's Dan? He's watching. I did watch it a lot. Yeah, so I think I still have that DVD somewhere. So yeah, but yeah, it's great. All right, next question. Okay, this person kind of cheated, so we're going to cheat back. <laughs> they asked three questions. No, four questions, I should say. So let's all I'll, 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 let's present the questions, and each of us can answer whichever one we want, but only one of the questions. So are we going to okay? read, read all three questions at the same time and answer at the same time? Let's do it, right? Okay, one. Wait, wait, two. who's doing what? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, we're all going to forget this bit. It's too confusing. <laughs> I'm gonna, this is here, from... Here, here are the questions, so nobody's saying anything yet. Dan, Danny Danny, C. Danny C. Not me. Not, not this Danny C. Another Danny C. All right. What's your most terrifying non-horror film? What's the one thing that can totally ruin a horror movie for you? What's one horror movie twist you're upset was spoiled? And what's your favorite horror movie twist of all time? Okay, so I'll, the one I will answer, and you guys can answer this too if you want to, but it's the one I'm choosing to answer is what's your most terrifying non-horror film? And the answer is The Social Network. I mean that sincerely. I had chills at certain points in that movie. If you haven't seen it yet, please. Probably the best movie of the last 10 years, in my opinion. Social Network. Check it out. All right, Dan, what are you going to answer? Oh, that's also the one I want to answer. Um, you can do it. The, yeah. I mean, if we're going to have twists, uh, Frailty's got a good one. That's mm, all I'll say about that. But... Um, I'm going to pick this probably would not be the my answer if I was seeing it for the first time today but I saw the rules of attraction right when I got to college and that movie made me very scared and very sad because <laughs> I'm not a complete square but I've never been into hard drugs I've never been this an especially promiscuous person and I think what I was seeing around me at Florida State and then seeing this movie was somehow making me think maybe I would have to be that way in college or at least like I wouldn't be able to fit in if I wasn't acting a certain way and then I, of course like you know I'm in college for a semester a year or whatever and you find out that's not true you just everyone does their own thing and I, I had a really good time in college but yeah I don't know why I think it, I think it was just because I was coming from a small town in Florida it just hit at the right time to where the movie just really stuck with me there's also a suicide scene that's really hard for me to watch in that film um but I don't know. I don't know if I, I would have if I had watched it for the first time today as a thirty-seven-year-old man. It probably would not. Would not you know have who been. that is? That suicide who, in the, scene the, in the tub. No, who is it? It's the lead singer from Warpaint. Which really? makes sense because isn't isn't that Shan Sossman's sister? Shan Sossman's sister is the bassist in Warpaint, and Shan Sossman was in the original lineup. Warpaint. So there was you go. War, Warpaint wasn't around at that point. No, were no, they? no. no or probably, so they met me, met yeah. each other. Oh, that's crazy. About that's, that? that's really funny. Gotta admit, not a huge Warpaint fan. Uh, yeah, I'm not not a huge fan. Uh, they have a couple Some songs that like style, I, I'll tell you that. Oh, um, excellent. I like that Undertow song. I used to um I had to review an album of theirs and got some flack for how much I didn't like it. And uh, I I called them Snorpaint at the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, boy. It's mean. I but remember yeah, we no, we did a review for an anonymous website, a video review. And we got <laughs> some blowback because it did not jibe with the written review. 
Oh, I think that was. I think that's what I was on. I was on the video yeah. review with you. Th- we, you yeah, guys. we were on yeah. that. And yeah. so it was Calvin. People were mad. I remember. Yeah, people. Well, people yeah. who were working on there were very. Can upset. you believe it? People yeah. have different opinions. It's I so couldn't believe it. Okay, <laughs> but I will say but, uh, this. Uh, first of all, Bryce Nellis can also those first three books of his, especially, I love. But they can. They're very. They're not happy books. I get dead. No, yeah. Books. Okay. I, I, I think it was more sad than scared, but also sad, scared. Yeah. And and I, I had a really, I don't know, I partied in college and all that stuff. And I realized, oh, no, you can do that and be a healthy person. <laughs> but uh, I think the movie leads you to think otherwise, at least if you're how I was back then. Mac, what about you? Which one are you going to take? Uh, what's the one thing that can totally ruin a horror movie for you? Mm-hmm. Personally, it's when the director spoon feeds you the twist in the first five minutes via a flashback or something mm. like that where you're like well we know what it is now like we Good were saying morning. with the house of sorority row like you're like what are you doing like why, why are you doing this here? oh yeah this makes sense uh or you know there's other movies but i don't want to blow them for people i don't want to do the spoil. Be i don't want to spoil them for other people yeah i don't want to spoil good night um, mom or anything and the most terrifying non-horror films rainbow bright and the star stealer it's just uh Never seen that dropping one. that. Damn, you never <laughs> saw Rainbow Bright and the Star Rainbow Stealer? Rainbow Bright and the Star yeah, Stealer? You it? never saw that film wow. as a child? All right. It's got some terrifying monsters. I I, I had some nightmares as, as a little, little baby baby Mac. Before baby I became Mac. before I became the clone. Coin. Gerber, the Gerber baby. There you go. Before I, before I became the monsters. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll look this up. Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Dan, you're up. Okay. Uh, speaking of see, Ram, this, this is from. <laughs> oh yeah, speaking of Ram, yeah, Shane McCartney. Hey gang, uh, each member's favorite movie soundtrack of all time. Cheers. Um, now, if we're talking like songs, like like a musical, it's the Muppet movie for me. But if we're talking like compiled songs or songs, yeah, I think that's what they mean, right? Yes, I think. Um, and heavy metal is up there for, for me. I just I love that soundtrack. I love Hagar. Just listen to that. But Boys, yeah, Hagar, the, you love Sam Hagar probably the only Hagar song I like, to be honest. I love that song. I listened to it like four times today. Um, and then you have Don Felder from the Eagles, who also has a song called Heavy Metal on that soundtrack. But I was, I thought about this, I had, I had Heavy Metal, but then I thought, no, no Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is like mm. two discs, two volume, two volumes of two discs. I love Michael Penn's instrumental cir- sad circus music. I has Best of My Love by The Emotions, which is one of my favorite songs ever. Has a bunch of really obscure, like '70s funk, like Driver's Seat. Excellent use of Jesse's Girl. I feel like it was one of the first movies to use, to knowingly use maybe kind of corny or chintzy songs in a way that was really dramatically effective. Like '99 Love Balloons, Jesse, like Jesse's Girl. I almost feel like you would make. I love that song, but I feel like certain, certain people would make fun of it, right? But it's used in almost this mournful, kind of haunting way in that movie. And I, I, I don't think there's a dud on that soundtrack. I think it's excellent. Mm. Also, one of my other favorite soundtracks is the Transformers movie. Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights has a song from the Transformers movie in that, so it, it's got you everything got I the love. Touch. Awesome, bah, excellent. Bah, bah. And then the Heat, My Heat Will Rock You. Get some original songs in there too. It's it's excellent. Like Boogie Nights, hands down, far and away is my favorite soundtrack. What about you, Justin? I mentioned it earlier, and again, I'll sound like a hypocrite because I, it's everything I didn't like about the Fear Street, <laughs> Fear Street movies with like the soundtrack constantly going. I, I, I rewatched Days of Confused again in theaters a couple months ago, and every single time a yeah, song hits, every single time a song hits, everybody's just playing air drums, playing air guitar, and you forget like when the next song, what the next song is going to be. No matter how many times I've seen that movie, I always forget. Oh, this song's playing now. Oh, this song's playing now. 
And the soundtrack is amazing, including uh, even more Days of Confused, which has the songs that were not obviously on the first one. Um, just, I, I, I mean, high school is just kind of driving around with our friends and just putting those soundtracks on, just driving around, much like they do in that movie. Yeah. Uh, so that's the winner for me. I think that's a, those are both Stone Cold classics. And the, the music's like nonstop in that movie, which makes sense because it's yeah. There's no score at all. There's no score. It. It's just scored by the songs that these kids were listening I, to. I'm like not even an Aerosmith fan at all, but man, the opening to Sweet Emotion, and you see. Uh, Pickford is that the kid's name? The I forget his name. Pink, the, yeah. Or no, but the, who's this? It's the stoner. One, well, they're all stoners. Um, they just, they just, yeah, yeah, yeah. They show like this the car coming out. Oh, so good, I love it. A Wooderson. Uh, you see yeah. everybody. Yeah, there's, there's, we'll name the them all. We'll name them all. To throw the party, but they, yes, yeah, yeah, I hear all, about, yeah. All bunch of dope smoking morons. Like, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I love that movie. I, uh, I I answered this in the wrong way. I went scores instead of a soundtrack, but I have a soundtrack answer now. Go ahead. Trainspotting. Oh, Trainspotting. Oh, man, so good. That movie, to me, is as much the soundtrack as it is the, you know, like, I think those sequences are so well put together by those songs, and you put other songs in there, and I don't think the movie's as good. It's just sad. <laughs> I, mean, like, I, I don't, I just think it's so, it's so fused together for me, and I, and I love it, yeah. There's two soundtracks for that, too? Yeah, yeah, there are. I think most of these had because Boogie Nights is like that as well. The first one came out and it was it's like, where are all these other songs? That's probably rights issues. Or yeah. I'm, no one said the Crow. I, I feel like that's usually the go-to, which is also hey, yeah. You know, awesome. I was just awesome. talking about that the other day. Yeah, I love that that too. Why was yeah, I, I listening too. to that? I think I listened to it straight through a month or two ago. It wasn't even we were, the anniversary. We've been talking was about we were talking about the Cure recently or something. And I think oh, that, that burn is so good on there. Yeah, but I, I gotta throw out real quick James Horner's score for Glory. Patrick Doyle's score for <laughs> Mary Shelley's Frankenstein mm. and Vangelis's yeah. Blade Runner score. Oh, there's a lot of great sc- scores. Cycle through my yeah. through my head all the time. Good question, Shane. Good question. Okay, uh, Mac, ask. You're up. John Romano, if you were updating any movie with the Psycho-esque shot-for-shot remake, which would you pick? Well, John, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let's say something. for me to do this, yeah. It, let's say in my realm, it would be like the film no longer exists, but we're gonna we ha- we have the tools mm. <laughs> to make this movie again. I, I would want Ridley Scott's Alien to exist, and I would think it would be really cool to see a shot-for-shot remake of that um, with a different cast. I like think it would be interesting to see that. It's a way to subvert the question. It's a good way to subvert the question. That's good. Because <laughs> I wouldn't so, do it. I don't like that. Answer. I think it's, I think it's my not. Answer, well, Dan, you go. I would not uh, do a shot for shot. Uh, look, I, I would agree with you 100% most of the time, Mac, but mm-hmm. my answer, we'll get to it in a second. Dan, you go ahead. I mean, I'm not so against the Psycho remake because there are so many sequels, and I did like it as a kid. And, hey, we wouldn't have gotten that Norman Bates house because I was tied to that that year. That's um, right. But I agree. Do we need to do that with anything else? Probably not, especially with how much content there is today. However, if I had to choose, I and I think actually any movies from this genre and era could work. I chose the original Creature from Black Lagoon, which is one of my favorite horror movies. Oh. But hey, it's in black and white. I wouldn't mind seeing what the coloring looks like in color. The creature costume would look a lot different. Hmm. I don't. I think that movie is. I mean, not that it doesn't have any thematic meat to it i guess you could argue some of it's about environmentalism and science and animals and whatever else but it's not like 
it's not like you're watching some mysterious horror movie you're trying to figure out, right? So I don't think its artistic integrity would be compromised too much just by doing an aesthetic exercise and remaking it. Um, and I think you could just do it with really good special effects, like just keep the suit and just make the suit look even better. Like I feel like it, it wouldn't harm the original too much. And we're so far removed from it, we haven't gotten any remakes of it or anything like that. So that's that's my choice. It feels like an inoffensive choice, which Isn't I think is the way Isn't it amazing that we have not had any remakes? I still think... I know they say it wasn't, but I, th- I still think The Shape of Water like had to have started off as a creature remake at some point. Maybe. Because he was, Guillermo del Toro was talking about it. And then, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's it's it, it's just folded in there. I mean, it, it, we haven't gotten a ton. I mean, there's been a few, but th- no one's really gotten like the Universal Classic Monster remake thing right yet. So I, I feel like we haven't seen a glut of those movies like we have with the you know slashers and all that. But Justin, what's your answer from I'm, I'm interested you know, in I treat. still have not seen Creature from Black Lagoon. Oh it's great. Uh, of it's, all it's, of it's excellent. That era. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. Very simple, very I good. Yeah. And not uh, not only would I do this immediately, I promise you that this shot for shot remake would be better than the movie it's a shot for shot remake of. Guarantee it. Here's what I'm doing. I'm bringing back Andrew Divoff to play the role of the Jen for Wishmaster 3 <laughs> Beyond the Gates of Hell. <laughs> because as we all know, Wishmaster 3 Beyond the Gates of Hell, he's not in it. He's not the human form of the Jen. It's no joke. It's Jason Connery, Sean Connery's son. Okay? No, 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 no. We're bringing back Divoff. Yeah, I, I guarantee, <laughs> even if the movie sucks, he is going to be great. It's the, it's the Radu thing with the subspecies movies. Even when those yeah. get bad, he's great. The movies are better because of him. The, the, the Wishmaster movies work at all because of Andrew Divoff. So you're bringing Divoff back for three. And then because it's going to be so successful, we're going to go ahead and fucking do a shot-for-shot shot remake of Wishmaster 4. <laughs> Prophecy think, fulfilled. So here we go. That's the, there you go. We're bringing back Divoff for the Wishmaster sequel. I, I think it's smart too to pick something that like the mo- the original is not going to be tainted. By <laughs> exactly. That. Nobody's going to be upset about <laughs> Wishmaster Three Beyond the Gates of Hell having a reshoot, especially with Divoff reprising his role. So there you go. That's my answer. I like how we all have different ways of answering that question. That, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. That's good. That was, that was a good question. Yeah. Okay. Who's up now? I think you are right. Oh, I'm up. Okay, here we go. Yeah. This is from Sean. Sean S. Cunningham, you think? Okay, I, maybe not. I hope so. It could be. Good question here. And this is something I've always pledged to make sure to bring up every episode. And I always forget. Who provides the intro music for Halloweenies and for the Losers Club? The band is the most. Yeah. And the song, they only have one album. It's called Mostified. It's fantastic. Uh, I think Halloweenies is Fire and Forget which is the first song I heard yeah. by the most. Every then, season, uh, there's been a different song from them. From what yeah. I remember, yeah. Then Loser's Club is, I think, the Friends song. Yes. Um, My friendship which, with all oh, of it's you. Great. I'm so glad we got that so we didn't get sued for copyright infringement for <laughs> for using um, Tom even, Petty. even the Losers first by the Tom Petty and then by Billy Yost of the kickback. So, yeah. There you go. There's your answer. The most, and you said mostified? But yeah, if you look up on on Spotify, which I is guess. not that's such just a coincidence. They weren't trying to get tie in for that. Um, they had one album, they had another one. Uh, they were supposed to complete, and then things fell apart with the band. But most of it's excellent front to back. I, I, I listened to it a few months ago. Again, yeah. it, it is uh, yeah, they're old uh, old college friends of Mike Rothman. His old band used to play with them. They're great. Awesome, Mac. What's your answer? 
<laughs> well, I okay. think I, I, I genuinely think at some point I think some of uh, some of our music, Dan, was was. Uh, oh, we did know there was, was one out season. there for for a season for what? the beginning or end yeah. or something. There's one season uh, of Halloweenies. Oh, I don't maybe know which that was one it Michael Myers's. Yeah, Max uh, yeah, and mine's okay. old band, the, the Elizabeth Dane, which. Um, you know that horror reference? We have a song called "I Saw Michael Myers Standing Outside My House," which you can also listen to on Spotify and Bandcamp. Um, but that, what, yeah, which season was that? I don't know. I just remember. You know, I'm the guess. It was probably the Halloween season. I mean, I don't know <laughs> if it was that early. Right? I don't, I don't know think it was. was I think early, it may have been the Friday I thought, season. I think actually. it was Friday, early Friday or something. Yeah. We'll, ne- we'll never know. But I don't know what episodes <laughs> it was used for. But I remember talking to Mike about that at some point. But yeah, and he okay. fucking royalties for it, man. Well, <laughs> Mac, I think you're up. Uh, Mac, I gotta hear Radu one more time. Can you do it for 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 Brandy? Brandy Foster, if you were an actor and could back in time and be in any horror movie, what would you choose? I myself. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, this is her answer. Or it's their answer. Says, I myself would have wanted to play Kristen in A Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Because it's one of my favorite horror movies. That's such a good imitation. If you, folks, if you've seen Subspecies, you know what I'm talking about. If not, they're all on Tubi. Okay, Mac, so what's your answer? Oh, man. If I could go back and... Uh, I love how it says, if, if, you, if you were an actor. <laughs> We've all been actors at one point. So uh, I would love to go back and be... Come on. Ash in Evil Dead. I like it. We, we can't bury Shelly. She, she, she's a good friend of ours. <laughs> uh, or or Scotty. Just so I could say, party down. <laughs> there you go. Very good. Dan, what about you? I guess I kind of answered with uh, Brody before in Jaws. I just um, realized we kind of already answered this question, too. So we I could feel absolutely bad skip but it. Hey, you know what? I, on one hand, I want to be someone from Alien or aliens so i can see the xenomorph but like i'll probably fucking die then like no 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 no, because you could be the xenomorph and just look in the mirror Mm. oh that's cool maybe i could be (laughs) i i'm i'm actually a defender of prometheus so maybe i could be one one of the the you can have it you know i would be deacon the deacon which is the first kind of xenomorph from prometheus that cuts out of the guy's chest and it has like it's like the alien with the shark fin i always thought that thing was cool and he wins sounds like lo cool j in uh the soundtrack for deep blue sea yeah, deepest blue is it deepest bluest my head is like a shark fin or deep ass blue ass my head is like a shark whatever fin. it was cost lo cool j years before he got into the rock roll hall of fame okay <laughs> yeah. i would Wait, say uh, have you heard of the movie warlock <laughs> Just, i'm playing the warlock Wait, do we, do we, is that reface app still a thing? You got to do it with, oh God, that's worth 30 bucks for a whole year. Wait, okay. Dan, it's deepest, bluest. Okay. Oh man, that's like deep ass, blue ass. Yeah. And they went, is and it? they, and, and, the, and they listened to the song and they went, yes, we're I going to deep put this deep. in the movie. But his head isn't like a shark fin. You couldn't get less like a shark fin. I remember the video he had like, he had like these like, like dark black contacts in or something like that because they're like shark eyes or something like that hey Matt shark eyes. <laughs> that's pretty funny okay. I like that movie it's fun of shark eyes if anybody gets that joke I want you to let us know immediately on social media <laughs> alright Mac I gotta, ask, I gotta ask this next question I'm not mm-hmm. gonna do it as Radu because I mm-hmm. could never do it justice but this is uh, from Nancy Harrow hey guys I'm a huge fan and fellow Halloweeny oh that's nice thank you Nancy she says I love the Lost Boys and I just found out they're remaking it not happy about it 
It's a wonderful, bonkers 80s film, and I can't imagine it without Heyman, Feldman, and not in the 80s. I have to know what your thoughts are. What would you all do to make it work in this time period? I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, I'm kidding. No, here's here's the bomb line. Wait, I, it's I, set I, like now. It's I actually I, don't know much about it's the remake. It's not it? a whole bunch of information, but I don't think I think it's not. I don't think it's time sensitive. I think it's set now. Okay. I think movies like The Lost Boys work because they're so time stamped. And there's a difference between being dated and being time stamped. Because when you watch The Lost Boys, it's this great distillation of everything, especially if you grew up in the '80s, everything that we enjoyed in the '80s, like the color scheme, the way everybody looks. The absolutely 1987 music, um, the way horror was. It's kind of like this MTV is now seeping its way into horror, you know? And it just all works because it came out in 1987 with that combination of Joel Schumacher and then the cast. It's kind of like, like Escape from New York. Escape from New York works because it came out in 1981, and that is where genre filmmaking looked like at the time. And that's where it was. And I think that. Most IP is truly lightning in the bottle, and it's just really hard to recapture without looking like a poor imitation. Or in this case, you're inevitably going to be compared to it no matter what you do. And so that's, I just, I don't get it. Well, if you make it a TV show, different story. If you make it a TV series, that's, that's a totally different medium. Do whatever the hell you want. But I just don't know what you're going to do. Dan or Mac? Mac? Just, they said, what would you all do to make it work in this time period? I think the only things that you really can do is make sure you're still setting it in a seaside town uh, where, like, rebellious acts that are being done there are, are, are of a similar, <laughs> a similar kind. Uh, so it still has that vibe and that they have to be at Grandpa's house with zero internet <laughs> or Wi-Fi or reception. I, I think that the home base, the... the finale of the film has to be somewhere where that's cut off and i think that still makes sense because i think a lot of older people still are you know do not have those things Mm. and that would still make sense i saw the casting um i think they went with i think i'm pretty sure that both are younger than the versions of the characters that played them in the the original that might be interesting if they do they go a different route with that a little bit I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't want to. I'm, I'm trying to make this work, kind of thing. I don't. I don't. I don't really care to see a remake. Um, you know, just have it be like a, a sequel, a similar circumstance or whatever, and have them mention or see a picture or something. You know what I mean? Like, just do some do new things with it. But don't you don't have to. It doesn't have to be a remake. Like, I don't know why people are so focused on remaking these movies that are really good. Don't Z-Money, do it. Just you know? do another. Just do another movie. You can call it Lost Boys, so it'd just be like there's still vampires in that area, or something. You know what I mean? Like, well, th- th- you know what? Then maybe that, they'll you know? do that. Maybe they will do that, but I doubt it. <laughs> I, I mean, doubt we it. had they'll... two sequels, and I didn't see either of those films. But well, they're awful. Trust couldn't me. They, didn't they already? Couldn't they already tell that it wasn't probably wasn't a good idea to do more of it? But I don't it's, know. It's what do you think, Dan? I mean, I'm not. I don't love remakes all the time, but I'm not as anti-remake, I think, as a lot of horror fans. And not because I have some huge passion for them. I've said this before. I think just with... I think we've been telling stories in cinematic form long enough now to where I just look at all this stuff like I do fairy tales. You know, I mean, that's the kind of metaphor I always use is that I don't, I don't get mad when a new Cinderella comes out just because it's come out so much now. So it's almost... I guess I have more resignation toward remakes than, than anything. Like, I used to get really up in arms about 
there being like five different Batman universes going on at a given time. And now I'm just like, eh, whatever. It's just where we're at. Right. Um, so it's not like I'm so opposed to a lost boys remake just because I think it's par for the course right now. Um, do I think it's going to be going to be good? Uh, Probably not. Um, if I were going to try and make it good, I'm just completely shooting from the hip here. I mean, like Max said, just, you know, we have a lot of really good vampire stories where it's newcomer comes to town, they realize something's up and then something is up and they have to stop it. I mean, Salem's lots like that, right? So I think if you're working within that template, keep it in a seaside town, keep it a you know grandfather and a mother and the you know two sons or whatever. Why not, instead of making them though, like kind of counterculture punk vampires, why not make them like uber Christian vampires? Like you're mm-hmm. moving to, you're moving to a uh, really evangelical town and don't make it like a front either. Like the vampires actually are religious. Maybe they're serving God, but they're still killing people and drinking blood. And I think then maybe you could have some fun with the cult aspects of religion. Like if it's a big mega church or something like that. And I like the idea of the villains being these very clean cut corny kind of people, as opposed to these cool vampires, just cause I think that's flipping the formula in a way that maybe it would be neat, but that's just me completely shooting from the hip at the end of the day. What if I, mean, I think, yeah, there you go. What if now also, this is another thing we were talking about with soundtracks. I think that that soundtrack also is hugely that movie. That's what I said. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. so 1987. Uh, and just... yeah, yeah. Like you're just echoing Justin, but, um, no, I. I don't know. At this point, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get they're gonna release the information that Kiefer Sutherland's playing the Max character. Would you go see it then? No. Here's the bottom line. Here's the good. <laughs> here's the good news. Because obviously, the way I'm saying it's like, this is how I feel it's gonna turn out. Because this has just usually been the case over the last you know 60 years of people remaking things. It's not gonna. The first one will still be there. You know, I, I, I'm not getting, like, upset about it. I don't, I don't really care. Right, right. I mean, it's kind of like, I, I have no personal interest in this. Even if it's awful, you know, the first one's still there. I'll just watch the first one again. You know, the sequels that made me not like the first one. What if we're in another pandemic year, though, and we go back into lockdown, and you, may, and you have to watch all the HBO on-demand movies, and it comes out that Trust way? That will be, be the last, the least of my problems, if that was the case. You'll have um, to watch Tom, Tom and Jerry, too. Oh, God. Tom and Jerry, too, if I make the promise. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Speaking of let's go, I think it's, that's a, that's a wrap, folks. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Some great questions once again from our loyal listeners. And again, if you ever want to ask us a question for a next episode of Trick and, Tricks and Treats or Tricks or Treats, whatever the hell we're going to be calling it, I always forget. Tricks and treats, right? Yes, tricks and treats. For God's sakes, tricks you get both. and you treats. Get both. It's not. It's not. Oh my God! You get both. Exactly. Exactly. You can uh, join our Patreon which is patreon.com backslash Halloweenies pod right now. As of this recording, we have well over 300 subscribers, which is wild. We appreciate the support so much. We've got so many audio commentaries up there. So many bonus episodes of non-franchise movies or franchises. We probably won't cover in full. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's so much content out there for you folks. In addition to the main feed, um, I know that the three of us are also involved in the Losers Club, mm-hmm. which is a Stephen King podcast. I'm sure many of you listening are aware of that as well. Uh, any other plugs you'd like to give out, folks? I don't think I have anything to plug right now. Yeah. Uh, I always say as the Republicans stay, stay tuned. Oh, God. <laughs> Lovely. Mackies? <laughs> uh, just that we've got a ton of great Halloween stuff coming up for October. <laughs> a ton of tricks and treats on the way. <laughs> and not to give anything away, October. but let's just say it's going to be Halloween-centric. Mm. Mm. How about that? No no spoilers, but 
Since Halloween's coming up, it's going to be Halloween-specific. So let your mind wander. And by the way, the Loser's Club also has a Patreon, which I believe is what's well, called The Barons, and I'm pretty sure it's uh, patreon.com backslash The Barons. But you'll yeah, find it if you right. Google it, folks. It's all out there for you. This has been a lot of fun, and I guess let's stick to the Scream outro, right? So let's all just say... Uh, We'll We'll be be right back. Bye, everybody. This is the end of our show. For now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, Nightmare on Film Street, and more.